0: Hi everybody and welcome to Totally Tintin. Uh, we're going to be talking about Land of Black Gold today. I'm Ian Boothby.
1: And I'm David Edrick.
0: Now the funny thing about Land of Black Gold is it's uh, it's a story that started once and then got restarted again. Coincidentally, this podcast that we're doing right now, we just we just recorded, I don't know, about 16 hours worth of material. <laughs> uh, at which point uh, my partner, why don't you choose yourself?
1: Uh, my name is David Dedrick.
0: There you go, David Dedrick. Uh, he uh, looked at the computer and went, should this be on? No. So it, uh, it was not on. It didn't record. Uh, it, it was
1: on. It's just, I forgot to change the driver. It
0: was just Minecraft was uh, mm-hmm. playing on there. Dave's addicted to Minecraft, loves the game. So here's what's going to happen. Uh, yes. We're going to they Minesweeper. Do, they're, both are games. Yeah. It depends if you want do you want this podcast to be taking place in the nineties? If so, right. Minesweeper would be a good reference. If it's uh, 2015, maybe Minecraft is, is the more up to date. That is my
1: era. That's
0: okay. Come on, let's face Fair it. enough. Let's face okay. it. My golden era. It's okay. So uh, we're just giving you a little bit of this uh, feedback because we're gonna go through the show as we normally do. But you might hear a lot of me going, mm-hmm, and and <laughs> pretending that I'm hearing this information for the very first time, but I'm hearing it for the second time. Yeah. Anyway, uh, if this is it's the too first bad. if this is your first time listening to the show, let me apologize for this opening uh, and explain the premise of the program. Uh, I'm a comic book writer. I'm a big uh, fan of comics of all sorts, yet I have never read the uh, Tintin series of books. Uh, They've been uh, really recommended to me by a lot of people whose uh, opinions I respect. People like... Me. That's right. Uh, Now, whereas I have not read these books before now, you have...
1: I'm a huge huge Tintin fan, huge R.J. fan. Read them many times.
0: You love them so much that you like doing episodes twice of this podcast. Right.
1: I thought, once <laughs> is not enough. Yeah. You only live once.
0: That's right. So uh, what normally happens in the podcast is we start off with David giving some of uh, the context to mm-hmm. where Herge is in a, at his life, yeah. where the Tintin books are currently. And then we go uh, page by page through the stories, uh, breaking down our opinions of things. So if you have not read the books before, my advice to you is read them first, but... I can't tell you how to live your life if you want to just listen to them and get things spoiled. Yeah, That's you. That is the freedom that problem. you have, Wait, no, that just, the internet provide. Mean. That's your problem. I shouldn't say that, right? <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm judging. Sorry, sure. Everybody.
0: Dave's the judgmental Sorry. one. Mm. I'm the open-minded that's one. That's right. That's, that's our uh-huh. uh, things. <laughs> uh, so that's generally where things are with the podcast. This opening may be a little stranger than it normally is. Once again, I'm letting you know the reason. I'll tell you exactly the point where we realized it. It was just at the end of the context. So once we get actually into going through the story, you'll go, These guys sound fresh as a daisy on this. Stuff and this stuff, it'll sound a little uh, robotic. Maybe we'll see. Okay, David, yes, how are you? Good, good. Thank By the you. Way, uh, if you want to complain about this podcast or uh, give us uh, any feedback, please go to sneakydragon.com. That's our website, that's where our message boards are. We're also on Facebook at totally tin tin. Uh, sometimes people like to, you know, post things as they listen to this instead of listening to the whole show because it's a long show and you might forget what you wanted to say. So you hear something, go on the, uh, on the website. We will probably respond to you. Now I throw it over to you, David, for context, part two, <laughs> context the recontexting.
1: Two. It's going to be so much smoother this
0: time. Though. Is it? Okay, sounds good. I, so, I'm glad I came to dress rehearsal today.
1: <laughs> RJ originally published, uh, so we talked about this before. We talked about this when we did The the Crowd with the Golden Claws. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about the kind of the beginnings of the of the land of black gold or just called land of black gold i don't know why the the has left off all these stories but it is so uh, it was originally started in liberty vantiem it began on 23rd of september 1939 and then it ended on the 8th of may 1940 with the germans invading belgium and once they invaded belgium they shut down uh, the uh, Ventium msiakla the sort of parent paper of le petit Ventiem which was where Hergé was publishing Tintin. And they shut it down because it was was Catholic. That was the reason for shutting it down. They okay. did not want a Catholic paper being published outside of their control at that time. So uh, that ended the story at that time. It ended with, um, well, we'll talk about it a little bit, how it ended. But the, so the original story involved German sabotage uh of Allied oil reserves. That's basically how the story was going, and
0: that story and, isn't going to go over well during World War II. Exactly. Yeah,
1: because <laughs> you know. See if
0: you guys can all figure out why that would be. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, because it's played out against this back kind of backdrop of, of this sort of na- international tension. All these countries are all feeling very tense because Germany is getting very bristly. Right. And so, uh, you know, it's it's not explicit in the story that it's Germany, but we have this sort of stand-in of Dr. Mueller. The doctor that we saw in uh, the Black Island. Okay. And so it's interesting to me because he's changed. Like in the Black Island, he's kind of this portly doctor, this portly uh, head of a lunatic asylum with this sort of uh, goatee. And suddenly he becomes in this book he's this kind of rugged, uh, horse riding Lawrence of Arabia type desert raider, you know, attacking oil, uh, you know, oil uh, pipes. Mm-hmm. And it seems strange. It's a strange change, you know, uh, and he's much more kind of, you know, Yeah, why not and... make up a new character for yeah. that?
0: Yeah, but, but interesting.
1: I, yeah, that could, you could say that a lot in Tintin's, Tintin's stories, why didn't RJ make up a new character? But I think he liked to bring characters back. I think mm-hmm. he liked that element. Which but is... if
0: you bring a character back and you make them so different, yeah. it seems a strange thing to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. It, it does.
1: So, now, if he'd completed this original story in Le Petit Ventim, it's interesting because he would have made a trilogy of stories that dealt with uh, attempts to destabilize European democracy. So someone unnamed, some unnamed country is working against European democracy in these stories. So we have the Black Island with its counterfeit money, so destabilizing the financial system of Europe, uh, led by a German doctor. We have uh, the King Ottokar's scepter with the you know attempted political coup, the annexation of uh, of Sildavia, uh, run by someone named Musler uh, from a country that sounds very much like a German country. In fact, they fly Heinkels or Messerschmitts, yeah. depending what story you look at.
0: It's a real um, Hilter type situation. Yes, that's yeah. right.
1: Who is this? And then finally, we have a story that would have been about the sabotage of the oil reserves mm-hmm. for the Allied powers, once again, uh, under the control or you know being masterminded by a German, Dr. Mueller again. And I think that's one reason why he brought him back, is he wanted to have a familiar... A character who was German to still be carrying out his nefarious plots. And, you know, since he escaped in the Black Island, bring him back for, for this story. Um, so, you know, obviously, Hergé, you know, he's an artist, he's a creative person. He can pick up vibrations, you know, and stuff like that. And so he's feeling, just like everyone else's, but I think more than them, feeling these kind of tensions of what's coming, you know. And so he's doing these stories that are kind of uh, anticipating, you know, things that Germany are going to do, you know, they had already, already done Anschluss, but there was other things that happened in that time period that were also annexations. Uh, you know, they say the Sudetenland Sudeten in Czechoslovakia. And then... Uh, you got
0: that word right so so well in the first
1: I didn't broadcast. even say it. I didn't even try it in the first one, actually. Uh, or, you know, looking for oil reserves, like going into Romania for their oil reserves and, you know, the eventual invasion of Russia, where they, you know, were basically going to try and get the oil reserves there which um, didn't work out so well. And then, uh, so now when we were talking about King Arnaudkar's Scepter, we, I mentioned that the original idea for this, that story, you know, his genesis of it was the idea of uh, a plot, a terrorist plot to blow up the great monuments of Europe. like of so like the Parthenon and, and Eiffel, the Eiffel Tower and sort of things like that would be destroyed by these terrorists and it was up to Tintin to, to stop it from happening. Somehow that genesis became King Arnaudkar's Scepter. And so, he, you know, it's very different. So, he didn't give up on the idea. And so, he, he wanted to keep using it. And then it became Land of Black Gold. In both cases, neither story really used the idea at all. He really could have done a third story and gone in a completely, another completely different direction and still not used the idea if he'd wanted to um so after erj you know after the germans invaded and hergé left with you know every other belgian person who could leave and went to france and then they re- he returned of course cuz the king requested that belgian citizens come back and be belgians and and continue as you know uh to try and sustain belgium during this period uh he you know he came back and he started to uh he was hired as illustrator and editor of what was called les Soir jeunesse which was basically a children's supplement for the French-language newspaper, Le Soir, that kind of was a imitation of the Petit Vantiam, even up to having two pages of Tintin every week. Oh, okay. So he started, uh, you know, when he started there, he realized that this story in no way could, the, could Land of Black Gold be done again, you know, or done continued on, right? because it just would not have passed the sent- the German censors would have immediately, ta- you know, seen that sort of anti-German stance. Although they didn't see K- in King Antichrist's Scepter, that book was never banned during mm. the time that he- it was, you know, Belgium was under uh, German control. Uh, the Tintin' America and The Black Island were both uh, for a time not published because they were, you know, American and British, right. you know. So that was the problem. But the other books just seemed to, you know which shows sensors are dumb, I guess, is the the lesson there. So now now the original version ended around page 27 of the color version. If you look at page 27 of the color version, there's a, a scene of, uh, of um, Mueller pointing a gun at, at Tintin, the unconscious Tintin. That was the final frame that was ever published in Tintin there were two more pages that were done but they were not published the, the newspaper was closed before they could be published he had got them ready because at that time he was kind of traveling back and forth from the army and also doing illustrations for for the Petit Vantiem. and so he had worked ahead a uh, week so now in the Le Petit Vantiem version uh what happens so we we start again with uh we start again with um uh Bab Bab-Alaire, the Sheik he has Tintin in the desert Tintin faints and they decide they're just going to leave him there, and so he's just untied and left laying in the sand, and they ride off, and he recovers and he starts trying to find, uh, well, first water because he's he's yeah. already said he's he's, he's thirsty, dying, yeah, yeah, he's dying of thirst, and so now in the Le Petit Vintiem version, there's kind of this a little bit of business where he stumbles over an umbrella and he uses it, uh, he. It's like a, a skeleton of an umbrella laying in the right. sand. I'm he... going to
0: bet it's a parasol because bringing an umbrella to the desert doesn't make sense. Bring a parasol okay. to block the heat sure. probably does. Go.
1: It's probably a parasol. then. Thank you for that correction.
0: You're welcome. I didn't do it the last time. Thank you for giving me a second
1: chance. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> This has all been worth it to do this all over again. Uh, so he took he takes some like of the skeleton of the of the frame and he makes it into a dousing rod and starts looking for water that way. So there's a little bit of business where he finds what he thinks is water and turns out to be like uh, polluted with with gas right. or oil or whatever. He says petrol, but I would imagine be oil. But anyway, and then uh, he is walking along and it smacks him in the face and then he realizes it's under his feet and so they he and Snowy dig down and the water comes spurting out like a, it's Old Faithful, and uh, I think in the in the uh, the Tintin magazine version of it, I think there is a little bit with that again, but it was cut out for, in the later version. Okay. Um, but, so
0: the second time, is it water that comes up? Is that where they get their water from? Yeah. Okay.
1: No, in no, the second time, he, find, he finds a uh, he finds a pool of water and he drinks from it. Okay. That's just before the tin, or the uh, Thompsons drive their jeep into the water. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, so yeah, he finds some water. Then he uh, you know wanders along a bit. Light. It gets dark, so they're gonna have to sleep. Outside and so he lays down and they're sleeping and then some rocks are disturbed and they come down and clonk him on the head, giving him a big goose egg. They don't even look that big, but apparently in Tintin's world, even the smallest rock can sure. cause swelling. And so this is when he sees Mueller and his and his men uh, sabotaging the the oil line, the oil pipeline. And so uh, what I like in the Le Petit Vantiem version is that like in the um, in the later version in the one in the Tintin magazine and in the book version. Uh, the, the guy, Ahmed, I think his name is Ahmed, is trying to get – something wrong with his, sat, his stirrups, and he's trying to fix his stirrups or trying to fix right. his reins or whatever, and, and he's, he's distracted, and, and Tintin takes advantage of that. Oh, to, what luck. Yes, yes, cl- clonk him on the head and then ride off in, in place of him. In the Petit Ventim version, as this Ahmed is riding out, Tintin throws a rock and hits him in the face mm-hmm. and knocks him off that way, and then he gets on the horse and, and carries on. And I like that version because I like the fact that he is doing it. It's not just luck coming to him. He is creating his own luck. He's okay. like, I'm active. I'm actively. And
0: yet if kids are enjoying Tintin and playing Tintin, you don't want the old rock in the face bit, probably. Like, yeah. well, Tintin throwing a rock in someone's face is not maybe
1: something you want. Well, I think, yeah, I think, I think, I think, well, one thing is people maybe taste a change a little bit. And, yeah. and that kind of violence in comics wasn't as acceptable and comics were more popular at that time, so there's more government oversight of comics. So there probably was a, a sense that the censors probably would not let that go by, having someone with a rock thrown in their face in a comic strip for kids. So Hergé toned it down a little bit. I have no, I know, I have no doubt that's probably what happened. So then uh, Tintin uh, you know, rides with Mueller, and then they end up at the Rocks, just like in the story. Mueller sees him with his hand mirror. You know, Tintin doesn't realize that he's been spotted. Wheeler sneaks around and then hits him with a stick and knocks him unconscious and then knocks out Snowy. And now in the Le Petit Fantium version, first he's going to shoot him. Then he sees this big sandstorm coming. He says, I'll just leave him for the sandstorm. So he ties up uh, Tintin and just leaves him. And so the next panel, Tintin is uh, trying to, like, it's pretty drawn-out sequence, this gives you this real sense of impending doom, yeah. because all this sand is blowing on him, and he's trying to escape from his he's cords. He's going to drown in sand. Well. He can't, and then the next yeah, the next set of pages, the, the sand is slowly rising, and he starts trying to call to Snowy, who's still unconscious from from being hit by Mueller. And the very final panel is, is uh, Tintin with the sand up to his chin, calling for Snowy, and that was the last panel last page drawn for that version of of uh, land of black gold and it's pretty effective i think it's really an effective yeah. sequence
0: is there a way of putting that page up and, on uh, on our page yes and what's Very
1: interesting good. is um what's interesting is in that story as well the thompsons uh they are driving through the desert looking for babalera to get their five thousand dollar or five thousand pound award reward, yeah. and uh it's in this section that they fall asleep. So in the other book, Tintin's with them and they fall asleep and smash into the mosque and get arrested. In, th- in the original version, they're by themselves uh, before Tintin meets Mueller and they smash through the mosque wall, get arrested or thrown in jail. So they're not going to rescue Tintin this time. So I wonder what hmm. Roger's plan was, how he's going to be rescued. Was it going to be snowy? Coming to his rescue, digging him out. Well, Snowy
0: was not uh, in bad shape. He was, snowy was not getting covered by the sand yeah, in the same way. because he's blocked by the rocks. The rocks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It feels like a real Snowy rescue situation, because I can't think of anyone else that would uh, be available.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that was the end of it. You know, the Germans came. There's just no way it could be continued. So Hergé, you know, rather than continue, he started the more politically neutral, or just generally neutral stories, The Crab with the Golden Claws and mm-hmm. Shooting Star... The two unicorn stories, and then the the seven crystal balls, and Prisoner of the Sun. All the stories are very fantastic. They exist in a world outside of outside of reality. Yeah, there's, there's no sense there's
0: of the war. As as I was saying on the last one, I I was kind of bothered by magic showing up at the end. But even
1: without the magic, there's no sense. There's a war going on. There's mm-hmm. no sense of ration. There's no sense. Of, is this trip necessary for you to fly all the way to South America? Right. In order to, you know what I mean. So there's no sense that. You know, there's any kind of disturbance in public transportation, and that you can just get on a boat and you know go across the ocean. There's no U-boats blowing up things. You know, there's just no sense that in any way that there's a, there's a it's pirates world in and mummies, pirates yeah. and mummies. Yeah. Exactly, there's a world in crisis, but that it doesn't exist. So uh, now, eight years later, mm-hmm. Ersély had finished Prisoner of the Sun*, and it had been a very difficult birth. He had, you know. Suffered from depression. He had left several times. He'd had a, he'd had a couple of affairs. He had, uh, you know, just been generally just miserable through all of it. Came out the other side of that. He needed a break, so he took about a three-month break. And while he was doing that, uh, the Tintin magazine republished an older story that ran in Le Petit Vingtieme called Popol and Virginie Out West. And it's a kind of a funny animal story about a guy going like a trader, like a, you know, to open a store in the out west. And, and so that was recolored and just ran in, in place of Tintin for, for three months. So it was at this time that I actually started to seriously think about having Tintin go to the moon. That was kind of, we thought this would be a good next story. This would mm-hmm. be kind of the next stage. And also he thought of it as a double, double a two-parter, just the same way the last two, the two series had been, two-part series. But his wife Germain and his his assistant Marcel Dehay they said, you know what? Let's not do that right now. How about you take this story that you've already mostly finished, that you've already have like kind of a general plan for, and do that one instead. You're not going to have to do much drawing on it, or as much drawing on it. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's going to give you a nice break. You're still producing Tintin, but you're not going to have to uh, you know think of a whole new Tintin, do all the research for this this moon expedition, and everything else. You're just going to be able to. You know, draw a story that you already kind of have a handle on. And so Hergé said, okay, that's, I guess that sounded like a good plan to him. And so, um, you know, he just, the thing was at this time, he really did not want to, he was out of love with Tintin. Tintin, I think to him, was representative of Belgium. And I think he was out of love with Belgium. Okay. He was just out of love with his former life. And Hergé was part of, or Tintin was part of that life. And you know he was suffering from these psychosomatic attacks of sinusitis and eczema and boils, but only on wow. his drawing hand. You know, mm. you know. So really, it just feels like you know all his his inner stress is coming out of him in this in these kind of visible you know illnesses. These, and uh, but you know he felt this weird debt. I shouldn't say it's weird. He felt a real debt to to uh, Raymond Leblanc, Leblanc, who the owner of Tintin magazine, who had. You know, kind of rescued Hergé from from oblivion. You know, he was he was nowhere. He was he was recovering. He was recoloring old stories. Yeah, he was trying to get a kind of a foothold in doing new comics, but under a pseudonym because he couldn't publish under his own name. And his really his career was kind of over at that point. And then Raymond LeBlanc came into his life and made him. You know, made it possible for him to be an artist again. Made it possible for him to be a creative person again. And then. I think also he felt this incredible, uh, the popularity of Tintin was very important to him. And it was important for his ego. And they're kind of inextricably linked together, you know. And so you can't overestim- overstate that that self-image that he had, how important Tintin was to his own self-image, you know. And the main reason why he would never share credit, no matter how much it was due to other people for their contributions to the stories or the art he would not he was very greedy about his credit to his his individual view of you know viewpoint of tintin and i understand that you know because you know it was really his baby, you know, his, yeah. his creation. Well, when
0: you're saying, yeah, when you're saying greedy, it's... Uh, I can, don't mean to
1: make it sound like a negative, but, it's but sort I of like,
0: mean, uh, Listen, would you mind, uh, I was helping out with raising your kid. Do you mind if I put my name on your kid as well? Mind if I just slip my name... Like, just, uh, your name is the last name for your kid, but I'm just going to put it right... Well, hyphenated, right? So now your uh, son is going to be called, you know, Smith Jones. Is that okay with you if I just slip that in there? No.
1: Of course it's not. <laughs> no. No,
0: that's my kid. No, no, you
1: under, we understand how you yeah, felt. Yeah,
0: you're helping yeah. me raise him. I understand that. That's great, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's my kit, yeah.
1: So um, now, the original framework of the story—the idea of Germans uh, sabotaging oil reserves—that's going to go out the door because it just wasn't really timely anymore. There are senses of it in the story, like there's a lot of reference to up- impending war and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So you, that you know, those are elements that were kept from the original story, but the German element is, is completely removed. So basically, he kept pages one to six. And 19 to 27, and redrew from 7 to 18. Okay. So those pages were new. Now, he needed a conflict. And so what he did was uh, he kind of looked around and said, Well, what's happening in the same area where, you know, I'm already, where the story's already taking place? And so he decided he was going to set it in the British Mandate of Palestine, where there was the Arab Jewish conflict and the British were there. And so he felt like that was sort of an interesting area that had a kind of, had a kind of a, an element in it that would allow for the story to take place, you know, sort of a wild west almost, where there's not complete control of what's happening. And so at that time, um, what happened is that after World War One, basically, the League of Nations divided the Ottoman Empire up, they kind of dismantled it, to to take, you know, just to neuter it, the same way they neutered Germany after World right. War One. And so various uh, pieces of the, of the Ottoman Empire were, were handed out to various European countries. And Britain, uh, one of the one of their little plums was to get uh, the, this area, the the mandate of Palestine. Now to call it a plum is kind of uh, is, it's a sort of double-edged sword because it uh, it had these two fighting groups in it. It had Jews who were living there and Arabs, and both of them wanted to have control of this area once the British left. So they were fighting the British to get them to leave, and they're fighting each other to have control when the British left. And so you had uh, you know Palestinian, let's call them paramilitary organizations. Some might call them terrorist groups. You had uh, Jewish paramilitary organizations. Some might call them terror groups. Irgun and Stern are also known as Lehi. Um, They, you know, were actual terrorist organizations that were killing British people, that were, you know, massacring Palestinians or Arab people. There was was no Palestine yet, so there's no Palestinians per se, but there's Arabs. And so, um, you know, It was bad on both sides, you know, it was just a general out and out war against, you know, but not everyone, but just the two groups kind of picture it how it is now, I guess. Yeah. You know, with the Gaza, you know, Um, that not everyone is trying to kill each other, but there's enough that it makes sense. That's usually how you can
0: describe the past is like, how's the past there? Uh, What's it like now? Yeah, that's (laughs) pretty much the way you can describe (laughs) it. Yeah,
1: (laughs) pretty much. And so, you know, I don't think he was, I don't think he wanted to get into deeply into the politics of it. I think he just kind of thought it was an interesting setting for the story. So now in the, in the uh, magazine version and in the, the original book, the way it goes is uh, so we have Tintin on the boat, and instead of Arab uh, soldiers coming on the boat, it's British naval officer or naval, uh, British, I don't know what you call them, naval guards, something like that. All right. Police, naval police whatever sure. they come on the ship they search they find the Thompson's uh, you know they find the whatever in there the heroin or whatever it's in their heroin, suitcase it's heroin yeah and then they it find it was like
0: it was heroin before it's heroin again it's heroin as you, as you mentioned Like yeah. the, the, uh, it's cocaine
1: yeah in the French version it's cocaine Yeah. in both times like in the original uh, Cigars of the Pharaoh it's cocaine there as well but it's called heroin so I don't know why in the British version heroin is heroin slightly worse so we're is like, it a bigger problem Stepping like, stepping up we're stepping it up here we're not pulling any punches we're not going with a wimpy old cocaine This stuff was heroin, Uh, and so they find it, you know, conveniently hidden behind a little thing. And you think that Tintin, by this time, would learn to search the nooks and crannies in his quarters when he gets Mm -hmm. onto a ship to find the. the, Here's another uh,
0: thing. Maybe make Snowy a drug sniffing dog. There you go. Maybe sniff around a little bit.
1: That would be helpful too. So uh, he is uh, taken. He's arrested. Taken off the ship. Now in the story. this uh, Jewish fellow sees him being taken on the, sh- the ship and mistakes him for a fellow member of of, of Irgun, which is, it's it's named in the uh, Le Petit Ventim version. And so he runs back to his fellow uh, members of this. And so he says, well, you know, they've got Finkelstein. It's Finkelstein in the Le Petit Ventim version. Hergé changed it for whatever reason to Goldstein in, in the in the Tintin version. So they're like, well, we got to get him back. So there's a scene where the soldiers are in kilts are walking uh, Tintin across the street. This car pulls up, throws a tear gas grenade, the soldiers collapse, as well as Tintin. These guys jump out of the car wearing gas masks, bundle Tintin back into the car and drive off. And then they take off their masks and they look at him and they go, This isn't Finkelstein But then they're like, Well, what can we do? We've got we've got him in uh Oh, I know why they didn't want Let's oh, forget it. I know...
0: No, what is it?
1: Oh, I was going to make a dumb joke that they didn't want to keep advertising for Ken Finkelstein, so they didn't want to... <laughs> it's so obscure, I don't even know why I would think of it. But anyway... Uh,
0: Everyone was wondering, Ken Finkelstein, best known for... Uh, well, in Canada, he does sitcoms, kind of artsy sitcoms. Also is the director and writer of Airplane 2.
1: Oh, yes know that. Uh, So then, um, the not good one.
0: That's what most people say.
1: So then... Uh, so they decide, well we're just going to take him back to headquarters anyway. So they're driving along and then there's, they find this kind of makeshift roadblock. and so they get out cursing the Arabs and start moving these rocks and sticks out of the way. and then they've discovered that it's an ambush. There's Arabs, mm. the, the guns are trained on them. So the Arabs take tin, take Tintin to and this is where Babel Air comes into it. They take him to Babel Air. and uh, in a scene that's probably not reality, they, the uh, Jewish guys are turned into the British police. I don't know if that's what actually would have happened at that time period, but mm-hmm. when guys have rifles trained on each other, like we're turning you into the British. That's what we're gonna do. Uh, so then uh
0: Let's say they did, though.
1: Good. They yeah, did. Good. Yeah. So that's go. that's basically the only difference between the original magazine book version and the later uh um the later version, the changed word. So, and I have to say I kinda like that version. I like the fact that you know, it's it's kind of an interesting situation because it is kind of playing on the politics of the region, but not not absorbing it, not making comments on it. Just, you know, Tintin gets off the boat, you know, captured by the he's captured by the British. Then he's sort of rescued by the Jews. Then he's, uh, you know, then he's, I guess, rescued by the Arabs. And then finally, you know, he ends up in the desert. And then da, da, da. so it has this kind of weird hot potato element to it, where he's just kind of past the Tintin until, you know, finally ends up by himself. And I just kind of like that sequence. Whereas in the later one, Although it makes more sense in terms of a region the later story uh I think it's kind of dull how they get him to from it doesn't really make sense why they just throw a tear tear gas thing and capture him in the streets from the air. It doesn't make sense really, okay. Uh, to me, as much as it does in the other version where because one terrorist organization trying to rescue one of their members from the British, you know, that makes more sense. And some guy who's a gun runner they think can give them guns. Anyone can give you guns. Why are you going to draw attention to yourself by stealing them from the from the police and making it even hotter for yourself? Right? right. It doesn't make sense. But it does make sense in terms of the region. Like if you think about Palestine or Israel, there's no oil in that area. So where is the oil that
0: is weird? Yeah, that
1: everyone's fighting over? And then these
0: are so well researched normally. So yeah, that's an odd and, thing.
1: And where's the desert? Yeah, where's the desert? There's no desert around Israel or around Palestine. There's no desert in that region. And then where's the emirate? There's no emirate in that region either. So when they start, when they finally get to the emir and his his brat, bratty son, where are those people from? Like where is this area? Do they like f- drive all the way to Yemen or all the way to Saudi Arabia? Or? So you're saying
0: the story makes no sense. So you're saying we shouldn't go over it now.
1: Oh, no, it makes more sense in the later version when he changed it to being all into Khmed. Oh, very good. And being an actual, like, Arab state. So better now. That, well, I like the Jewish, I like that kidnapping kind of stuff. I think that's fun. But in terms of, like, location, it doesn't make a whole, like, a whole lot of sense. But then again, if it was being read by kids, I doubt any kids going to go like, hey, wait a minute. There is no oil in Israel. That's not the last thing you're going to think when you're reading a story. That's a smart kid. You're going to be thinking...
0: Unless he's from Israel, in which in case Yeah, he, he probably would know that, yeah. exactly.
1: Maybe that's the thing. So um, what happened was, is that... Uh, oh, and the other thing that's interesting in the story is that uh, Erje had to integrate Haddock and Calculus into the story. They did not exist in the original story. They did not exist at all. They didn't, Haddock wasn't introduced until The Crab with the Golden Claws and calculus much later so so he had to kind of integrate them and so i think it's cleverly done they are shoehorned in yeah i will never den- deny that
0: yeah look uh, who's here
1: yeah i gotta go and i'm being mobilized right i'm leaving and Goodbye.
0: Again, uh let me just say i want to uh when you're done i want to go over a theory of mine about haddock so okay
1: when we get to there okay yeah so uh so yeah that that's kind of shoehorned in but it, i don't, i think it's done with a sense of humor it, and and i think he succeeds in what he's trying to do but um so now, at the late in the late sixties, uh, Michael Turner, one of the translators of of Tintin, asked Hergé to redraw the uh, se- section of the book that involves the British Mandate, the Jewish and Palestinian uh, soldiers and ter- terrorists and stuff like that. He didn't. He's want all that taken out because he felt that kids in the, in like late sixties Britain wouldn't get references to nineteen forties politics in the British Mandate controlled area of Palestine,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so. Hergé agreed, which he tended to do. He was easygoing. By this time I think he was didn't care. He cared so little, he's whatever. So all mention of British authorities were taken out. All the mention of Jewish terror groups and Arabs soldiers and Palestine was removed, and instead he based it in this imaginary country, Khamed. And instead of coming into Haifa as they do in the other story, the kind of thinly veiled Haifa, they come into Kemekal or Kemekah in the French version, and. Uh, and then also, then the good thing about it was he was able, because the studios were up and running at that time, he was able to use his studio uh, mates like Bob de Moore, who he sent to Antwerp to, to research the oil tankers. He was able to get actual ships that look like they're what they were. So in the original version, Le Petite antiem version, and the original Tintin Magazine version, the uh, oil tanker kind of looks like a luxury yacht, or like an like a ocean liner. Right. It does not look like an oil tanker. The later version, you, go, you look at it, you go, right away, you know, oh, that's an oil tanker. I can tell right away. But that, the other one, not so good. But like, one question I have about, about, and it makes me wonder, because now we were talking about The Blue Lotus, and what, why it's situated rather oddly in, in my old books, where it sits up in the right-hand corner. And the reason for that is because it was, it was translated so much later than every other book. Like years, decades later than some books uh, that you know were around the same time as it. And I think the reason for that, and I, it might be historical. It might be that Turner felt that no one's gonna understand uh, 1930s, you know Japan, China relations, what the, what the whole Manchuria incident, the Mukden incident, you know, what, what all that meant, you know, where the Japanese created this propaganda machine to, to um, justify invading China you know, kids aren't going to care about that stuff. But you know what? Kids do care about that stuff because everyone loves The Blue Lotus. It's, it's a, one of the mo- everyone's favorite books. And the reason is is because that's just a very small part of the story. It gives this great flavoring of it and it gives you a little knowledge of what was happening in that time period. But it's it's sprinkled in amongst all this other kind of fun and interesting things that are happening that you can take that little bit of historical pill and not feel that, you know, you're choking on, on the pill when you have all the sugar that's helping you. Right. And I think it would have been the same with this. And I think what it actually was is that the British at this time did not want stories that made them look bad as British. They didn't want British kids reading stories about British soldiers fighting the the, the Jews and the Arabs in sort of a, a colonial Palestine. You know, like I think they wanted to kind of. It was, it was, by that time, it was very uncool that Britain had ever been an empire, and uh, so you did not. You know, no one sang "Rule Britannia," and you know, people did not celebrate their colonial heritage that does not have did not happen in the 60s and so i think that they wanted to kind of erase that out of the past and that and these books and i think if they could have got herge to redraw the blue lotus and i'm mm-hmm. i think if they ever asked he would have refused because it was such a deeply personal book for him because of his relationship with chang, chang yeah, yeah. I think he would refuse to draw it and I think that's why it took them so long to finally translate it and release it. It was just a case of we might as well because we've done all the rest, we might as well put this one out. Right.
0: Now uh, Ch- now Chang as a character is curious. He comes he comes later in another story, right? Spoilers. Okay, fair enough. But it was that would have been weird then if Chang shows up and it's oh my old friend Chang who we have no idea about because yeah. the story didn't get translated till much later.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what mm-hmm. happened with those books, yeah, cuz no one would have no English speaking person. Who read the book that Chang was in later on, which was to say was Tintin and Tibet? Mm-hmm. When they read that book, they would have no idea what Tintin's relationship was to him. If they're reading it in the in the sixties or seventies, they yeah. would never. have the history seen of
0: it. the history of Tintin is uh, very convoluted. Like D- just uh, the English translations, obviously. Yeah. yeah. It, well, yeah. There's this a lot story, of a little bit too, mix but, them up. As yeah. as you'll understand if you've listened to a lot of our past episodes, And, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. all of a sudden, someone's holding up a future edition of a Tintin book <laughs> in a Tintin story, and like, yeah. what's
1: going on? Yeah. Promotion. Um. Now, so now, Hergé, before he started, he drawing this before before he started drawing this in Tinder magazine, he decided he was going to escape the completely uh, killing, uh, the, the, you know the self killing, almost suicidal uh, reg- regimen he you know given himself to try and draw basically four pages of comics every week, colored full colored comics pages, plus all the research and everything else that he was doing, so. What he did was he, you know, like the uh, Prisoner of the Sun was was published in this weird, like kind of, it was a two-page spread. So it covered two pages with three tiers, uh, originally four tiers. But he got them, to, they cut it back to three tiers. And then they put the who, or who were the Inca underneath that in order to kind of re- relieve him from a little bit of his workload. And this, this time he finally, he said, no, I'm not doing it that way. What we're going to do is I'm going to, and the other thing was, because he did it in this weird three-tier spread out way, when it was published in the, in the Casterman albums, all that had to be re-cut and re and re-turned back, yeah. yeah, resized and turned back into the, into the album format. So this time he said, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to do them in the album format. They're going to be printed as they would appear in the album on one page. So basically he was giving them two pages of old Le Petit Van Tiamen strips in full color per week. And then on the other side was uh, they did reprints of Josette and Jocko so you're still getting two pages of tin, of Erj just only one page of Tintin, and even with that, he still went into this huge funk and left again. In uh, July 28th, he left and did not come back until the 27th of October.
0: And this was a surprise to everybody.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so I mean, was it was a surprise. What was the because the magazine ran this headline on the next issue that said shocking news. Hergé has disappeared, so I think it happened so often by this right. point. They were just being sarcastic about it, and they started a contest that readers could guess where they think he might be. Now,
0: did someone win that contest? Did someone I, guess correctly? I don't
1: know. I don't. I don't know that far. I don't have never read the magazines. So.
0: In that case, let me ask you, uh, listeners, gentle readers, uh, gentle, gentle readers, gentle listeners. <laughs> we just think you're gentle in some way. Yeah. Uh, do so you I know? Do you know if someone won he's... that contest and if someone guessed correctly where Hergé was?
1: I don't think it was a real contest in that sense. I think it was more of a creative. Yeah, that's contest. fine too. But, um, so, he finally came back, the 27th of October, issue 43, mm-hmm. uh, he didn't actually, there was no Tintin in that issue, but uh, it had a Hergé drawing of him between Thompson and Thompson being led with handcuffs on, sort of, sort of being back into the shackles, back into his, his very right. a, very passive-aggressive cover for the It's magazine.
0: a very, it's a, that's a funny cover. I'm just amazed that Thompson and Thompson actually arrested somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that's happened. Really? On their own? Well, you can't By see By this it. point? Yeah.
1: I mean, if, if you could see to the next frame, uh-huh. they would be standing there with the handcuffs on their hands. That is correct. And would be gone. And he's running again. Yeah, that's yeah, correct. That's yes, right.
0: we did not see the second. Because actually in this story, this is one of the ones where uh, Tintin just goes, look, I don't want those guys' help at all. <laughs> just keep them busy. I'll solve this mystery. Don't you want your sidekicks? Comedy relief? Nope. I'm good. I got to get stuff done. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so the Land of Black Gold started on the, on the next issue. It started... Um, and now, you know, the stress, he was still feeling the stress we were talking about last time. You know, I really do think that he was suffering from a post-traumatic stress disorder, that he was depressed, that he was those things where he was probably like a, a, just a coiled spring through all of the war. And finally, you know, you can relax Then your body shuts down, you know, because yeah. your body has been working on this yeah. adrenaline and for so long, keeping you going, that when you finally relax, your body's just like finally i can stop working mm-hmm. and you know and what stopped working for him was his chemical his you know and he just his brain was not getting the chemical mixes it needed i guess and he just fell into this huge funk that just you know swamped him just really yeah. took over his life
0: and stress stress can just affect you in so many different ways yeah. and including the ways that you've mentioned there yeah. absolutely
1: and, you know, also things like the physical manifestations of eczema and boils and that stuff like can that. can all be stress, yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to get hives when I had college exams.
0: Are we, are we, if we're getting into this, I've got psoriasis <laughs> now from stress, so okay, yeah. There, there you, you go, are.
1: okay. Oh, he one-upped me, everyone.
0: I don't know, I don't know if, eczema, if psoriasis
1: is, is one-upping eczema. <laughs> oh, no, I've been one-upped. Uh, and I know his hives. And um, so anyway, so his marriage, his marriage was ending, like, he and Jermaine, I mean, they're still married, uh, Father Wollet was acting as this kind of, inter, you know, sort of mediator between them, trying to, you know, pray on this and think about that and read this author and, you know, and think about what you're doing and you know, right. what this marriage, what this marriage I forced you into has meant to you. <laughs> yeah. And, very uh, young. Yeah. When you're very young. and Take very, the
0: advice of an old priest. If there's one thing I know, it's relationships. That's right. I know,
1: it's relationships with women. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so to Hergé, he felt like their marriage had come to the come to the end of its natural life. That he had reached a point where, even though he still loved Jermaine, he just felt like they weren't a husband and wife anymore. They were just two people living in the same house that they had grown apart. They hadn't grown together. That he had he had moved in a totally different direction from her. You know, she was still a staunch Catholic, a staunch, uh, you know, staunch bourgeois Belgian Belgian person. He was not. He had through through Chang he had discovered Taoism and Buddhism, and he pursued those interests very much. I mean, he still had a kind of Catholic. Element to himself, he still went to abbeys and prayed and stuff like that. But in terms of being a, what we would call maybe a, a conservative or a traditional Catholic, he would not have fallen into the, into that description mm-hmm. at all. And so he was much more mystical and much more interested in in this you know this sort of different meditation and this different world than she was. And he loved to read young Carl Jung, and you know he's this is a different place. Than she was. In also, they
0: he went through World War II. Like, well, they both went through World no, War II. I un, no, I understand that, but we're just talking about him. I don't know her motivation or how she felt about anything. We're just talking about him right now. But like, you go through something like that. It's it's at the end of that, you yeah. reevaluate. That's You know, true. it's like the, you were gonna. This is what your life was gonna be. You're gonna mm-hmm. be under this government for the rest of your life. This yeah. is what it was gonna be. No second chance. Here we go. And yeah, that's where you sit, stand back and go, "Whoa, where where am I?
1: Mm-hmm. What's going on?" Yeah. yeah. No, it's true. And also, the other thing was he was involved in this big dispute with Raymond Leblanc, the owner of Tintin magazine. So uh, he, as the magazine became more successful, and it was very successful at this point, there was a there was a Belgian version of it, there was the the Dutch slash Flemish version of it, Koifia, and then there was uh, a fr- a French version of it as well. So it was it sales over a hundred thousand mm-hmm. for the magazine every week. And so as it became more successful, Hergé wanted to do more. On the business side of it you know so he had this big exchange of letters with Raymond LeBlanc and you know he was kind of like you know uh, I want I want uh, more control of the magazine I want you know I just want to be art you know have artistic control I want to have financial control I want to have control of the distribution of the administration and LeBlanc's response was when like you were never here Mm -hmm. you know you're not even a good artistic director because you're never here if I have questions to ask you you're not here. If someone, if other cartoonists here have, have questions for you, you're not here. So, wh- why would I give you more hats to wear when you're not even effectively wearing the one hat that you have? Right. And this went back and forth quite a bit. And uh, and finally, they kind of reached a kind of a, repro- a rapprochement, basically. They just kind of, even though they couldn't resolve everything, they kind of aired their grievances, which was important. And it kind of gave them the common ground of that they loved the magazine and they wanted it to be successful. That was their common ground, and that's where they stood. And the other conflict that Hergé had was that he felt like that the artists that were drawing for, for Tintin magazine were too close in style to his, mm-hmm. which he didn't like. He wanted to have more variety in it. And uh, whether, whether people were drawing, because he was, you know, he was advising them. He's the artistic director, so he's right. looking at their pages and giving them advice on how to you know, do this differently, do, draw better perspective. And he was very critical. But fair, he wasn't like a, a jerk. He was just very demanding of his artists. Right. Because he was demanding of himself and he expected the exact same. He could not stand the idea that anyone would turn in uh, a half thought out page, you know, and just kind of throw it together at the last minute because they didn't feel like working on it. But, you know. he,
0: but he thought it looked too much like his work. He but he felt it. like a
1: lot of them, yeah, were kind of aping his style too closely.
0: Do you think he was worried about being replaced by. by no, someone?
1: I don't think that. I think he just felt like, you know, there could only be one Hergé.
0: Right. And, it just feels like, you know, if I compare it to Marvel Comics, if you were writing for Marvel Comics in the 60s, you would try to write like Stan Lee. Yeah. You know, so you're going to try. Mm-hmm. And then, you know. If,
1: well, uh, and why you would do that is because Stan Lee would like it.
0: Stan, you would assume Stan Lee would like yeah. it. Though uh, yeah. Though, when you, when you, the thing that, you know, artists don't like is when you do what they do better than what they do. Yeah. And at which point, all of a sudden.
1: Hey, wait a second.
0: Yeah. It's a, uh, you're stealing my essence, as a uh, Dane Cook would say.
1: <clears throat> don't worry, Stan. No one, no one ever did it better than you. Um, but yeah, so that's... And so the final thing I want to say about um, The Land of Black Gold... This is the last thing I'm going to say, everybody. I'm going to be quiet the rest of the show.
0: And then we'll realize we didn't record this again. <laughs> and then we'll say it one more time.
1: <laughs> if we have to do it one more time, we have to do it in French. Yes, exactly. We, <laughs> um, oui, I should say. So uh, finally, I want to say what what really interests me about Land of Black Gold is I feel it's an interesting thing because it bridges this huge historical era of Averze's of life. You know, it's was started during the Le Petit Ventim era, near the end of that. And then it bridges all the way through the post the, the war during the wartime into the post war era. And it's basically the last the last uh story of that kind of post war before his next era starts. Mm-hmm. And so it's this interesting bridge between this style, the style the Petit Vantiem style, and then we're gonna hit and we kinda end that's that that kind of war, that sort of during the war post-war style of that time period is going to end now, and it's going to be a, a whole new uh, style, or a whole new era is going to start for for Hergé I after to, this book.
0: I look forward to being with you on the journey to that. Uh, oh, I've been there already. Oh, very good. Uh, now, here's my theory on Haddock. Yes, um, yes. Because as I was reading this story, it's mostly Tintin and Snowy. Mm-hmm. And my theory on on Haddock and uh, and the Thompsons is is this, which is if you just have Tintin and Snowy, then yeah. to, then Snowy becomes the comedy relief, and if anything's going to hurt one of them, it's going to hurt Snowy comedically. Yeah. Now you bring in Haddock. All of a sudden, Snowy doesn't get hurt. Haddock gets hurt. Yeah. He's the guy that yes. stuff falls on his head. Then, well, people who are listening for the first time. I listened to about 27 hours of you just talking. I'm going to say my theory <laughs> no, now. i just saying you. you okay, so very We good. talked about it last time. So um, now <laughs> it's like you were scolding me. Well, I was you, not. Oh, sir, you do go on. I was not scolding anyway, you. Sure so if, s- the Thompson, if the Thompson and Thompson show up, then they're the ones who are going to get hurt. Haddock won't get hurt. Yeah. Snowy won't get hurt. And there you go. Yeah. Now, in this story, Snowy gets hurt a bit, until Haddock shows up, and the second Haddock shows up, Snowy's got clear sailing, and, he, yeah. and Snowy's fine for the rest of the story, and Haddock just ends up uh, getting hurt. I, I,
1: I know it, it's a theory. Uh, I, I appreciate it as a theory. It doesn't really stand up to, to uh Show me it. in the
0: story when uh, it does not sh- show. Show me sure. where I'm wrong.
1: Well, I'm just thinking of uh, of Tintin. Mm-hmm. Uh, gets hurt, hurt quite a bit. Oh,
0: well, he's the protagonist. That's fine. Yeah. But the, uh, the comedy relief role, yeah. as we've gone through this, is okay. Snowy used to be the comedy relief. Yeah. He'd be the guy who would be complaining about everything. Then when Haddock shows up, Haddock's the complainer, yeah. and you want the complainer to get hurt, yeah, because it's more fun when the complainer gets hurt. Kay. But it's even more fun when the snobs get hurt, and that's what Thompson and Thompson are. They're the snobs, and so th- you want them to get hurt more than the complainer, and definitely more than the complaining you dog. You like they snobs? Oh, yeah. Why? Well, let's get to page one, and we'll see. Okay. Here we go.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. That's true. <laughs> they are... They're kind of jerks.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah. and they are well, the ones the... who are all dressed in suits and bowler hats, and so they're the hoity toys Yeah, they're the ones that if any—if uh, Groucho was going to make fun mm-hmm. of any of them, he would go to those stiffs and talk to them.
1: Yeah, well, before we before we start, let's he just would ta- actually talk to Castafiore. Let's talk about the cover because I think the co- this cover is kind of interesting, actually, for well, two for two reasons. It's uh, got
0: Arabic on it. That's one word. Arabic
1: on it. It's the first and only cover that features the Thompsons.
0: Oh, is that right?
1: And it's the first and only cover that has the villain on it.
0: Okay. Is that correct? Yes. All right. I'm looking at the all major, the covers on the, the back. The major villain. And I will see. Sure. If you uh, if you do not consider the Indian chief and Tintin in yeah, America to be think, a villain, I even don't think though he villain. wants to kill him.
1: No, I don't think that's a villain. I think he's just a, a patsy. Uh, it, it, the, the, the real uh, is Bobby Smiles. He's the real villain in that story.
0: Okay, fair enough. All right, I'll give you that. And what's the other? What's the other
1: reason? It's the only when the Thompsons are. Uh, it's only the cover the Thompsons are featured on.
0: Yeah, it's it's. Uh, when I saw this cover, I love the surreal element of how they look. Yeah. And I was like, I was looking forward to in the whole story, like, oh boy, let's see what this is about. Yeah. And that's really like in the last like two pages. That yeah. Like, and this happens. Okay, bit of a throwaway there, but fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I like how uh, Tintin, uh, sorry, uh, Snowy on the cover, uh, is he's either napping or he just doesn't like the uh, dust in his eyes. I he's think, yeah,
1: a, I think he's just smiling and his eyes are closed.
0: Oh, he's having a good time? Yep. Okay, because uh, Tintin sure has a nondescript, uh, he, I don't know how Tintin feels about this whole situation by the expression on his face. He's not scared, he's not angry, he's just, huh, you know, however you feel about it. It's a so-so cover. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and, and we're back in the desert again. Uh, so, uh, starting off on page one. Uh, this is where I'm thinking the Tom- Thompson and Thompson are kind of snobs. Yeah. Because they're at a gas station and, and honking their horns way too much yeah. to get some uh, petrol. Yeah. Uh, Ask for half a gallon. Uh, you know, uh, the guy goes, I think it'll go in. And then uh, asks, uh, he asks for a few uh, drops for his lighter, yes. which seems like kind of, yeah. you know. Uh, to which the uh, service attendant says, as your lordship pleases. So I think, I think we've established that the general public thinks these guys are snobs. Okay. Am I right? Okay, fair enough. Uh, off they go. And they certainly
1: are officious jerks in that instance.
0: Yeah, there's no need to honk your horn no, that much, no. the boss the fellow around. No. Uh, so they're all having a good time driving, uh, singing a little song, listening to Radio Luxembourg.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's a, what's interesting about this song is that if you were reading the book when it came out, reading the story when it came out in 1939, then you would have been just in the, in the uh, right period for this song, which was actually a song by this guy named uh, Charles Trenet. And it was a song called Boom, came out in 1938. And it's basically kind of an automatopeia song. So a lot of stuff about tweet, 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 and chirp, 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 and boom, 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 and stuff like that. And of course... It works as a gag. Yeah, and RJ took it and he re- re- remodeled it so that it's... And the original name of the auto company was Le Simoun. So it's boom, listen, listen, so it, it worked that way. So. Nice. Whereas it's auto, whatever it is in this one, auto.
0: Now, it looks like they, there was a pretty major explosion going on there. Their hats go flying in the air, but you turn the page, not so bad. No. Uh, they've been through worse, yes. and they'll be through worse in this story. Yes. Uh, and uh, one of them makes a joke. The other one does not care for this joke. Uh, now I understand why they call it an internal combustion engine. Well, there's no time for cheap jokes. Really? Then you guys better both leave that's basically your shtick. But fair enough. Okay. So uh, they need a breakdown gang. I've never heard that expression before. We've got to call a breakdown gang yeah. to uh, come and fix the car.
1: Very British, I imagine.
0: So off they go to a, to a telephone booth. And, uh, I think they're
1: a radio troupe at the time. Is that right? Hey, gang, it's the Breakdown Gang!
0: That does sound like, yeah, if there was an improv troupe back then, that's <laughs> that's what they would be called as well. So, uh, so, yep, they're getting answered there. Uh, hello, autocart to the rescue. Yep, yeah, okay, there we are. Thank you, Mr. Thompson. And, uh, they're gonna be there in a half hour. Why not have a cigarette while you're waiting? Hey, kids, don't smoke, because maybe you got some bum petrol in your lighter, and it'll explode much like it is for these guys right now. <laughs> Yes. So okay, we've started off with some nice uh, comedy relief, but we've also established something might be wrong with gasoline.
1: Yeah, All we're, right. yeah, we're establishing that. And then we have the interesting part of the story to me, which is is uh, is uh, Tintin reading the newspaper, mm-hmm. and he's reading about uh, on the brink of war. And it's a major theme through this through the book, even though the book was post war. There's a lot of references to uh, some sort of impending war, and war is coming, and war is this war is yeah. that. And then the phone rings. And then Tintin answers it and it's Captain Haddock with Nestor kind of standing off to sort of like doing a little cameo and Captain tells him that he's been mobilized, can't tell him what he's going, he has to go in this particular vessel, or particular ship and so that's that, I've been mobilized. I won't be able to see you, I'm off, I'll keep in touch, goodbye, hangs up the phone, that's it for Captain Haddock. So we've introduced him. yeah. He, he exists. exists. Yeah, yeah, he exists. We, we've acknowledged that he exists. Yeah. Let us forget about it. You're him not
0: going to be thinking, where's Haddock through this whole
1: story? <laughs> That's right. Something
0: I like off the top there and that page is uh, it seems like Tintin just reads Snowy the newspaper in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and I like later when the Thompsons show up, we'll get to the Thompsons, uh, that Snowy just sits on Tintin's lap. Yeah. And it's just like a nice uh, boy and his dog moment there. <laughs> so anyway, the Thompsons do show up. And uh, and and now we're doing the the, to be precise, jokes that I like. Which are the variations well, on Well, once again,
1: because this book was translated in 1969. Yeah,
0: which is something very odd has just happened, to be precise. We just happen to be very odd. It's not the greatest joke in the world, but at least it follows the pattern that I enjoy. Uh, they explain <laughs> so everything. And by the way, I also like when your comedy relief sets up your plot and it's not just a standalone thing. So that's good. So he explains to the, the Thompsons uh, are explaining uh, to Tintin what went on. And then uh, another explosion happens outside. Uh, they look outside. Another car has gone through the same thing that their car went through. Yeah. Saying, oh, that is, that's what happened to us. And they, they figure out, ah, there's the petrol. Yep, that's right. Petrol's been doctored. Okay, well... Who's who profits from this crime? Who stands to uh just to, to gain. gain? That's right. Uh the breakdown people auto cart. So the breakdown gang.
1: Yes, they really are a gang.
0: It would be good if this story was called Tintin and the Breakdown Gang and he's just going after those guys. But uh the Thompsons seem to believe this is uh who's in, char- in charge of this uh mess up and messing up the petrol. So uh you know, there you go. Uh Tintin's not really buying it though.
1: No, he is not uh, being and what's interesting because this story is so old, he's referred to as a reporter a lot, and even does reporter-like things that he doesn't do in the in the books that kind of precede this one, like *Prisoner of the Sun*. And such such a, you know, he goes and he's like, "Hmm, I wonder what this could be." Meanwhile, in the great sequence, the the uh, Thompsons they get into their tow truck, into their mm-hmm. auto cart tow truck. We have a because, because they're going undercover. They're going undercover exactly. They're wearing their working get, for auto cart. They get to dress up a lot in this story. This is their first disguise. They're wearing their autocart... Mechanics uniforms. And then we cut to Tintin walking along thinking about what's going on. He goes to Speed Oil, the company, uh, the oil company that, uh, to ask them about this thing. And then we cut to Thompson and Thompson have, have crashed their tow truck. Right. Can I our- also
0: say that Tintin has a business card?
1: Oh, yes. Well, it would say
0: reporter on it. That's right. So he's handing it. This is business. Yeah. He's not just going as a guy. He's yeah. going as a reporter. Right. Yeah. Uh, I just, but
1: I just love how Thompson is standing outside of the telephone booth, kind of holding his hand in that very nervous way. Yes. It's very well done.
0: Because what's, what's happened is uh, the tow truck drivers, they are now undercover as tow truck drivers, they've crashed their tow truck into a tree. Yeah. And so they have to call for a tow truck.
1: And uh, insist it's ice. <laughs> yes,
0: that's right. So uh, now we're back to uh, Inside the Oil Company. Uh, and, uh, Tintin, yeah, this is just, Tintin is right now being a reporter full on. Uh, he's asking, would you like to comment, sir, on this? Meaning he's yeah. working for a newspaper right now or some, some sort of organization like that. Yeah. Uh, about the situation, uh, created by, uh, the deterioration in the petrol quality. Oh, it's catastrophic and, and shows that in the, in two months consumption has dropped, uh, 65%. It's falling every day. Airline companies uh, decide to suspend all services because of the dangers of uh, of uh, fuel explosions in the air. It's a disaster. It's a catastrophe. Even worse, what about the international situation? The, the supposing war comes, breaks out tomorrow. Uh, what'll happen? Ships, tanks, uh, the armed forces uh, completely immobilized. The mind boggles. It's disaster. This is, uh, this is not the kind of thing, by the way, you say to a reporter yeah. <laughs> when you're going, how are things going with your business? We're all going to die. <laughs> this guy is not a good
1: front man <laughs> <That's> <laughs> for true.
0: this kind of... You know, if we know anything from oil companies, it's not,
1: it's terrible. That's right. We better fire Harry Hysteria from the PR (laughs) section of the company. Let's put him somewhere else. Yeah. But what I like is we hear the boom and then uh, he says, oh, that's our, uh, because we have a lab working on, uh, working on testing this. And then we hear, you know, then the phone rings, he answers it. And he's like, what? We need another research facility. What? And then the cuts to this guy sitting, wearing, of course, the comedy tattered clothes, that somehow are completely tattered, but are covering him still very, very much. It's like he's wearing a toga. Yeah,
0: that's right. you know what? Everyone should make their clothes out of the material they make pants out of. Because the pants never completely come off. So the old black box joke.
1: But <laughs> well, the rest of the room is a complete shambles. And in fact, the wall is missing. So. And he's
0: uh, got his head bandaged and everything. Anyway, yeah. the, the lab did explode. So, you know, good. It's uh, the story's moving along pretty good. Yep. Uh, Tintin's walking down the street. You know, analysis of the petrol showed nothing. Oh, boy. Then so he says to Snowy, tonight, uh, we'll take a little trip to see uh, some storage tanks. <laughs> we go to see a browbeating of the Thompsons by their boss. Yeah. Not very happy. Just saying, listen, just do this nice, simple job.
1: I just like uh, think he's going, ice? Ice on the road? <laughs> what sort of fool do you take me for? It's, cause it's, it seems like it's the summertime, so yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, it says, yeah, Friday the 13th, August on the... Uh,
0: Friday the 18th, I've got. Oh, really? What have you got?
1: Friday the
0: 13th. Makes more sense in your story. Yeah. I don't know why they changed it to 18th in the later. It's unlucky. Oh, I, I I got that. Okay. So now we're checking the tires, uh, tire pressure, uh, while they're listening uh, to uh, overhearing the manager.
1: Can I, can I just say, sorry, one you can thing. You say before. whatever you want. Half it's of it's your podcast. Behi- I don't know if it's in the same as yours then, because behind Tintin, as he's walking down the street, there is a poster. Uh, a placard on the on the fence saying general mobilization. I got that. So yeah. it kind of reinforces what's happening with it's going and, and the sort of impending war in the background. Right. Carry on So uh, we're talking. listening
0: to the manager who's saying, uh, who's talking to their boss saying how are things going? You know, as bad as ever? Afraid so. It looks black. Everyone's talking about the war. They say things could blow sky high at any moment. Sounds like a good cue for bang! Blowing up the tire and uh, Thompson and Thompson get the boot from that yes. undercover job.
1: And now, this is page six, so this is actually uh, where, after this section, this is where, um, I guess after this page, this is where the the, re- the redrawn uh, Tintin starts.
0: By the way, I really like, uh, on page six, uh, the bottom panel, uh, left panel, uh, just the way Tintin looks walking there. I like his expression, mm-hmm. just checking yeah. stuff out. Yeah, It's, it's nice. Good. Yeah. Good so, eyebrow action. Yeah, checking out the tanks. And uh, sees a guy whistling, kind of hides, listens to what's going on. overhears, you know, uh, hey, you got it? Yeah, yeah, where's the cash? There, okay. Uh, see, uh, you leave tomorrow? Yeah, Speedo star sails on the afternoon tide. Uh, unfortunately, at that point, Tintin sneezes. Gives gives up uh, gives his a, location. Gives himself, yeah, give himself away. Yep. Uh, and I like this expression that the goon says, if someone's snooping, he's had his chips. Yeah. I've never heard that expression no, before, I too. No, I haven't
1: either, but, you know, you've had your chips.
0: Yeah. Uh, luckily, maybe not luckily, but just uh, Snowy steps out and, oh, it's just a dog. It's fine. All right. But what's good
1: about that sequence is that, you know, it's kind of throwaway, but at the same time, it actually comes back later in the story. So it's a good little uh, yep. little piece, actually, to kind of pave the way for later shenanigans.
0: So uh, Tintin says, all right, that was a near thing as he's walking back with Snowy, gives Snowy a compliment for his work. Uh, I believe we're on to something. My next move is to ring my contact at Speedall. And uh, he does just that, and all you right, know, fills him in. Uh, next morning, uh, we were on the ship, and uh, he's and now Tintin's undercover as the new radio officer.
1: Mm-hmm. I just want to say, you like the expression "He's had his chips." I like the expression "I'll lay it on for you," isn't to get something done for someone. I that like is that. good. Yeah, I like that expression. So uh, I'm all for these Britishisms we don't use. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, we should just make a list of all the expressions yeah. like every time. Like, mm-hmm. Let's start using those in regular conversation. So uh, then we have. You've like, had your chips. <laughs> I'll throw it over to you. You can be the Thompson's boss and, and...
1: I can be the Thompson's boss. Sure, oh, okay. Sure. I well I just like that uh so he they want to get on the ship as as sailors. So he says uh he's talking he gives a little bit of the background which wouldn't have been in the original story, which is that uh the speedle Star the speedle Star which is what they want to go on as deckhands is heading for Kemikal, the chief port in Kemed and now there's a row going on between the Mir Ben Kalish Azab and Sheikh Bab-El-Air. Uh are who's trying to depose him. And so he says, commit is dynamite, keep your eyes open. So we know that there's a political situation there that everyone's walking into that's, that's kind of tricky. And then we cut, almost smash cut, to the uh, Thompson Twins in a new disguise wearing sailor suits from the Victorian era, walking on the boat with an assortment of, of a life buoy, a life jacket, hat boxes, fishing nets, which is my favorite thing, the yeah. fishing nets. And yeah, just some luggage.
0: And, yeah, I like the hat box, the pink hat yeah, box. I like yeah, it a lot. That's the best. Now, were they, wearing, they were they were both have pink hat boxes. They've wore these tams before on a on a
1: ship, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. And and I like the I like the guy at the at the gangplank uh, and his slack-jawed expression <laughs> seeing these fellas
1: <laughs> marveling at them. Meanwhile, and the they... other
0: guy is bu- in the background is doing the Jack Benny uh, hand on the face while holding his elbow. <laughs> well, I never. At those guys. Yeah, that's
1: true. Uh, then they run into the captain of the ship. and They say, tell me, my aunt, my man, where is our cabin? Then we cut to them being thrown off the ship. Or not off the ship, but down into the hole, I guess. Followed by all their luggage, hat boxes, yeah. boys.
0: They're given a swift boot down the stairs. <laughs> yes, that's true. They are kicking them down a notch.
1: And uh, yes, then the captain says, next time you'll address me as captain, understand? And then the ship says, toot, and it starts to sail.
0: Right. So uh, so uh, the Thompsons are saying they got to be discreet now uh, with the crew. Don't want to attract attention. We see behind them the entire crew laughing at them.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, they're so good.
0: Okay. So we see uh, two tough, roughened seamen walking uh, along, and uh, one of them spots Snowy. Oh, yeah, wait, was that the dog I saw
1: last night? Yes. Okay. We get the light bulb, the mm. literal light bulb that actually is plugged into a socket. <laughs> it's, it's not just a right. floating. There has to be a reason for it. There's actually an electrical cable running off from the balloon. Not out of the balloon, but just sort of in it, and then a socket for the light. I do like that detail. That's
0: true. He goes, maybe that's uh, just a coincidence. Still can't be too careful. Uh, Need a safer hiding place for the goods. Then notices uh, one of the Thompsons the bottom of his shoes, recognizes those are police shoes. Yes, top and nail boots. That's right. Ask them, uh, police, and uh, special branch shoe, right? and uh, takes them into confidence, and the uh, Thompsons uh, like being taken into confidence. He pretends to be uh, Jack McPhee, maybe that is his name, uh, of Naval Intelligence on a top-secret mission. Uh, I'd like you to do something for me, take care of some secret documents. Uh, just hold on to them. Uh, so, uh, someone might try to steal them, okay? And the Thompsons are on board with that. Anything for a colleague? They then spots Snowy again.
1: Yes. Yeah. Now, he begins to... Uh... Now he knows for sure, I think, once he sees him there, because he immediately says, just wait till we reach Chemical, you and your master. Then he goes, no, I'll fix you right now, my friend. So then we have uh, Tintin is uh, listening to the radio and talking to himself, which isn't healthy. And uh, then he wonders where Snowy's gone. Meanwhile, we see Snowy is following a bone on a string as this uh, sailor attempts to lure Snowy to his demise. And then we hear a lot of gurring and wooing and whining. And the fellow is running away, in t- tattered clothes, as always, but this time he seems to be wearing pants under his pants.
0: Well, you got to be smart about that. You yeah. got to have a two set of pants. You got you to, if
1: you're a you sailor, gotta, you got to wear two pairs of pants.
0: That's right. That's just being uh, protective. He, he jumps into. Now, you, you tell me what that's called, where you have that tube that comes up yeah, and loops like a noodle. I think it was air vent. Air vent. So he j- jumps in for protection from Snowy. Snowy can take care of himself. Yes. Uh, and, but he does smack. Snowy does smack does, into the air vent. He does
1: not know how to stop. He's so excited. He can't help himself
0: yeah uh, Tintin has heard this uh, ruckus comes out shouting down the air vent you know uh, but then is uh, called uh, back for the captain who's uh, you know hey Sparks trying to call up Mars uh, here's a message for the company I want to reply right away so back Tintin goes tapping it out and uh, Tinson says, "War! It's horrible. I can't get it out of my mind. Surely, to goodness, the statesmen will come to their senses." So we're oh not... yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's gonna happen. Uh, gets a reply from the head office. Goes out, hands it to the captain. All right, uh, good. Thanks, Sparky. Off goes Sparky. <laughs> I
1: think like that that's a name. In, in the French version, he's just called La Radio. Oh okay. But in this, they have a, like a nickname for any any radio operator on a ship would be called Sparky. And it's... when.
0: Yeah, I like uh, I like Sparky as a nickname. Yeah, that's good. There's worse. Uh, also, good nickname for a uh, great cartoonist, Sparky. That's true. So uh, goes back. notice.
1: What's that? George Sparky Remy.
0: Sure, that's good uh finds a piece of cotton wool uh soaked in, cho- in chloroform here's the thing yeah holding it up to your face going that's chloroform all right probably not the best idea in the world but <laughs> yeah. you know uh has well, he didn't been...
1: bury his face in it no and Tintin Tint has, has been chloroformed yeah. before
0: he knows his way he around a so... knockout drug
1: he is past he's past it he's re- built up a resistance
0: and now we're going to get a series of oh my gosh snowy's been killed uh moments with the first it sounds like snowy's been thrown overboard no dice uh just throwing some uh garbage uh overboard looks like the chef is doing that
1: okay i just want to say that this is the least offensive drawn black man we have yet to see in tintin yeah you know it's not it's not that weird i don't know what he does it he is weird like super black and then super light coloring to their face and then really really red lips yeah he kind of Tones down the lips a bit. The lips
0: are the lips are still on. I the mean, fence. they're still
1: big, but yeah. I mean, they're not. It's not as terrible as the other ones. I'm just saying this is the best one yet. It feels like it feels like there's been some advancement made in drawing the drawing of colored people.
0: Okay, now, now if you're uh, if you're reading this on the bus, why did you go that? Why did you make that face? Are you reading this? Are, if you're reading this because <laughs> of saying colored people? Well, because so, I
1: sort of think uh, of the national the advancement of colored people. I understand so, that. Yeah. yeah, if you throw that it context
0: made a, in, I'm with you.
1: It made a clang association you, you're brain.
0: reading this on the bus yes. someone looks over your shoulder do you feel weird reading this page no okay I do, do so you?
1: yeah of course why because it's still not good someone's hitting a rat with a stick
0: <laughs> yeah that's it so anyway next step is uh, you think that uh, uh, Snowy is going to be beaten to death uh, with a stick wrapped in rope uh, no dice mm. that's not it it was in fact a rat in there the guy's yelling vermin thinking the Tintin thinks it's uh, Snowy being beaten nope gets bitten by a rat uh, and uh, has to fight the guy. Uh, who? He, well, to be fair, he punched the guy in the face first. Yes, it's true. Uh, so uh, the you know a little fight ensues with uh Tintin ducking and uh, the guy punching. Here,
1: here's a, a weird. Pipe. Here's a weird thing. Okay, the way the guys are drawn in the 50s, in the like say let's say forty nine fifty, mm-hmm. they're just drawn like they just have pa- regular pants. Just regular pants. They go to the go to the ground. Right. But for some reason, the guy drawn in nineteen sixty nine has pants like he's a rockabilly singer <laughs> from the fifties. With his cuffs rolled up. It's oh, just weird. okay. You think that's right? that, that,
0: doesn't that, those well, pants... Well, I didn't know there was a difference. I didn't know this guy was drawn differently at but, any period. But those
1: pants, when you look at them, you think 50s. You don't think 60s. 60s you know would been I, big, I, w- wide, bell-bottom.
0: I'm just, I'm, bell-bottom. I'm a rube to this. So when I look at that, I think there must be a reason that you have your pants like that if you're on a ship. Maybe there's a reason. You don't
1: want rats running up your pants.
0: Yeah, you've clearly got rats going on. Yeah, it's true enough. So uh, he's chasing Tintin. Tintin trips, falls down uh, some stairs uh, where he sees a guy with a bag. And in fact, this is uh, Snowy in the bag. Yes. Uh, so the guy, once again, is, uh, is uh, up top who wants to sock uh, Tintin in the mush. Throws a punch, hits that other guy. That guy goes falling down the stairs. The bag falls on Tintin's head. Yeah. Opens the bag. It's Snowy. Ugh, oh. Couldn't be more angry that he was going to try and drown the dog. Uh, but this guy now has been knocked on his noodle so hard, uh, he just ain't right no more. No. Yeah.
1: No, so, he's not at all.
0: No, he's he's sounding a lot like the people who had uh, the Goofy Juice yeah. in the past. The uh,
1: Rajaja? Re- re-gi- Is that what it's called? Rajaja? Could like be, that. Yeah. yeah. I'd
0: have to listen to a past episode. <laughs> That's a lot of work. Let me advise you to listen to some of the past episodes. No. It's good for our ratings if you do so. Okay. All right. Uh, so he's knocked himself silly, says yeah. Tintin. Uh, now he's his friend because he's had a head wound. Uh, then they go on searching for uh, the Thompsons. Or no, so it's other other people looking for the Thompsons, uh, saying uh, calling them the Heavenly Twins. Uh, <laughs> they worried they washed overboard, but nope. Uh, they are on a rescue boat.
1: Yes, they're on a lifeboat. Lifeboat, yes. Sitting there... Waiting for when the ship will start to sink. Which actually was a cover of Le Petit Ventième and also of uh, Tintin, of them in the boat. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah.
0: It's a nice image. Why not? It is a good image, yeah. So the next morning, uh, the uh, the sailor who got hit in the head still is uh, goofy. Still not doing right. Yeah. Uh, no hope of learning anything from that, uh, from that guy. Uh, and uh, so let's just go several days later. Move it along. Uh, there's uh, chemical says it looks like the uh, one of the sailors in there maybe the, not the captain uh, and uh, yep says the other person uh, and there's a launch uh, putting out uh, with police aboard I bet that is true the police are coming up and uh, military police who have orders to search the ship which they do uh, they search the cabin and as we mentioned before they find heroin uh, that is behind the uh, the code hooks
1: again the hidden heroin Slash cocaine behind something in Tintin's room.
0: Right. Now, the last time that uh, Tintin was accused of uh, heroin, was it the Thompsons that were arresting him for that?
1: I believe so, Mm. in uh, *Cigars of the Pharaoh.
0: What goes around does indeed come around. (laughs) That's right.
1: Karma will get you. Yeah.
0: And also, some papers were hidden in the radio officer's cabin. You know, very interesting. A shipment of arms to Sheik uh, bab el R, And uh, Tintin's trying to explain, but no dice. Uh, The Thompsons are being dragged off. Uh, the, uh, military police, uh, claim that, uh, they're pretending to be police officers, so things just look bad all the way around. So, they're all going to be interrogated, uh, ashore. And that's, uh, that's just what happens. Yep. So, there we go. Yep. Uh, one of the military police says to a fellow on the shore, uh, they've, uh, brought a couple of drug smugglers, but the young one has important documents to do with, uh, Bab El-Air.
1: So, we know he's, has, uh, mixed... Um, divided loyalties.
0: That's correct. So uh, I was going
1: to say mixed nuts, but I, that would be wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, that would be completely wrong. A nice thing of mixed nuts. That's nice on a trip. Uh, excellent work. Our noble sheik will reward you when it comes to power. Uh, here we go. Got to got to inform him. So off he goes. Uh, that evening uh, does meet up with uh, with uh, Bab El Air. Uh, tells him, uh, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, he's come uh, and received news. Uh, the soldiers have arrested a young foreigner. Uh, one of the guards works for us. He said he found papers on the prisoner referring to, referring to an important shipment of arms. Oh, well, let's bring him here immediately. And this is when we get that scene you were talking about of, uh, of the, the gas. Yes. Knocking out Tintin uh, and uh, dragging him into the car with the fellows wearing gas masks. And then we go back to the prison. Meanwhile, uh, Thompson and Thompson have had their papers checked. They're in order. They can go. Uh, and uh, they ask about Tintin. Well, he was seized by uh, bab Alair's men. Uh, you, now, uh, now we got to find them. That's a thankless job. They made the snatch and vanished by the tray. Still, there's a 5,000-pound reward for anyone who leads us to the Sheik's hideout. Yes. Now, unlike uh, Tintin, it seems like the Thompsons care
1: about money. <laughs> yes they're willing to uh they're very interested in this yeah they? they
0: seem to have dropped right now that like our friend yeah. five thousand yeah. pounds and uh off they go though n- they do wait till the next morning to to, to head off yeah because uh, we're doing that so off they go still going five thousand pounds reward
1: here's a little bit of a change is that in the uh original le petit vantium version they're driving like this old 1922 citroen 5 hp it was called it's just a car just a car kind of a I guess kind of a car, good good car for like touring and stuff like that. Yeah. So this is post-war, of course, so it's been updated to a Willis, uh, 1945 Willis Jeep. So. Okay,
0: well, the Jeep seems to make sense for yeah, the drive they're doing is... here. So, uh, so we're now uh, at the Sheik, and uh, Tintin's brought in. Doesn't know anything about the guns, which upsets the Sheik, uh, you know. But Tintin has really good manners, and mm-hmm. Tintin's manners actually serve him very well in this storyline. He knows how to talk to people. Yeah. Uh Sheik is very upset at the person who gave him this uh bum information. Uh but uh but Tintin, you know, goes, No, no, it's quite true. Some papers were found in my cabin. They didn't belong to me though. I have no idea who put them there. And uh the says, Oh well this was a trick to find out where I am. Okay, well now we can't let you leave.
1: Yeah. Was interesting. this one one interesting thing with the name of the, the Sheik Babalair, which of course Babaler
0: Oh, did you not know. get that? Thank you, you not explaining that so.
1: joke. It's the same in it's the same in the French version and it actually comes out of that Brushela Brushela Brushewa how we say it dialect that that um Erge uh, learned from his grandmother which is this combination of uh, Flemish and French kind of mixed together to make kind of new words and kind of a slang tongue and babbler and I feel like there must be some English in it as well because mm-hmm. this is very a very English word babbler babbler Basically, it doesn't mean that. It Means chatterbox in uh, in that dialect. So it's interesting, just that how close it is in sound and meaning as well.
0: So a plane is uh, going overhead, dropping yes. leaflets down on the sheik's camp. A
1: supermarine Spitfire. He's laughing. Uh, and not updated. This was used in 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 the two the, the uh, Tintin magazine version, and in the uh, later version, in 1971 version. In the original Le Petit Ventim, it was a, a biplane of some some okay. sort.
0: Uh, his soldiers are shooting up in the air. The, uh, sheik is laughing that, uh, ha, is throwing down leaflets. None of my men can read. <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, a big block of leaflets lands on his head. So a little bit of good comedy business and there. And I kind
1: of preferred this in the original, in the original version. He's like, uh, he says, you know, you know, he's like, this will not work. And he says, if any of my men are caught reading these, shoot them on the spot. You know, so and then he gets hit by the uh, bundle of leaflet. so I take
0: it when they when he says that he's not laughing in the original version.
1: No, okay, no, he's mad,
0: uh, and then he's so mad that he's uh, swearing. In uh, I wonder if he what he is saying in Arabic. I'll tell you. Please tell me. He's
1: saying, "Damn you, you son of a dog! Damn your father! You are a Bedouin."
0: Oh, and is it okay to say damn you, damn you in uh, Arabic uh, in a kid's book? That's, I guess. That's fine? I guess that's fine. I like that Snowy is going such language. Don't listen to him, Tintin, tin. even in Arabic.
1: It's interesting because in the original, in the 1949-50 version, they just put in lettering that looked Arabic. Mm. But when they did this version, Hergé actually got someone to translate uh, some Arabic. It's not very interesting, but it's it's all actual words. We will talk about it as we go.
0: All right. So uh, the uh, sheik is uh, saying now. All right, we're going to strike the camp at sunrise. Uh, before two days have passed, we'll be uh, we must be hidden in the mountains, and uh, Tintin's going to make a good hostage for that. Now let's cut to the the Thompsons driving through the desert, looking for that five thousand pound reward. Uh, not sure if they're going in the right direction. Head for uh, head for some trees, but. Mirage.
1: What I like about this page actually is it's a kind of a boring sequence if you think about it. It's just a Jeep driving around in the desert, which doesn't have a lot of landmarks to make it interesting. What makes it interesting are all the various angles that AirJ uses to to draw. So you get like a side, a kind of a very almost almost side view, three quarter. You get a rear view, then you get another rear view, but coming from a different angle, like a different different direction. So you can see they're going now in a different direction,
2: mm-hmm.
1: going towards those trees. And here's my question though: Are trees a are trees a mirage? Isn't aren't the mirages just like the, the glimmering, the glimmering? Oh yeah, looks None like of water. this makes sense. Yeah, yeah. okay.
0: It's yeah. going with the cartoon idea that cartoon a mirage can mirage. look like yeah. anything. could look like a pretty lady. Could yeah. be Whatever you want. Because then,
1: then we see a close-up of them. Because they both
0: see the same thing. Yeah, that's the problem.
1: The, yeah, that's the problem. Then they see the city in the distance.
0: To be fair, they are both pretty much the same person. Yeah. I so guess. they would see the same thing. Yeah.
1: Uh, then, one of them One of them could not see anything with the word "p" in it, though.
0: <laughs> that's true. Luckily, mirage doesn't have a P in it. That's true. So, but uh, neither- palm tree does. Oh, we went
1: so for that specific. He's seeing the date tree. Uh,
0: so they, uh, so they drove. They drive right into the tree because uh, comedy of threes. The third thing they think is a mirage is not a mirage, and it's the second tree they've driven into in the story.
1: By the way, comedy of threes works because that's a funny sequence.
0: <laughs> it, it is. Now we got a nice uh, silhouette of uh, it's nighttime and. Uh, riding on horses with Tintin. Uh, it's the, the Sheik's men riding on horses with Tintin uh, being walked behind, attached to uh, a rope.
1: And what's, uh, what's good about this is that uh, it's, n- it's nighttime. So we, you cut from him at daytime with, with the Sheik. Then we have the sequence with the Thompsons messing around with their Jeep, driving into stuff or missing things. And then we cut, it's now nighttime, and we cut to, to Tintin walking. And you get that sense of time passing that he's not just you know immediately... This is you know no time passes at all almost in our minds he's walking along no we have a a, huge, a whole sequence of stuff that separates it so it does give it a sense that he's and also suffering. the comedy
0: relief that you get in the previous page you also do get the sense of there's nothing around like this is dangerous there's yeah. nothing going on mm-hmm. uh, so yeah the Tintin uh, sorry the Thompson Thompsoner have fixed their uh, their uh, jeep uh, driving along it's good st- that
1: they're competent enough to fix the jeep sure.
0: You know what? Here's the thing. I think, like, even a dummy, after you've driven into as many trees as you've driven into, will figure it out. Because you can't call <laughs> auto cart nope. here. They're not going to
1: come. That's what I mean. It's good they could figure it out. That's right.
0: Uh, so uh, they uh, they think they see a lake. They get into their full one-piece bathing suits.
1: Yes, they're Victorian bathing suits.
0: And uh, run for it, do a dive, no dice, again, landing in the sand.
1: Did not notice any time during their changing into their swimsuits or the running up that it was just a mirage.
0: Once again, two people seeing a mirage. Mirage. Probably isn't a mirage, but realistically, water doesn't. It would look like water. So now we've got back to Tintin. It's uh, daytime. Still walking through the desert. Uh, everyone's laughing on the pl- on the whole on the uh, horses, uh, saying, "Ah, oh, there we go. See, it's the well of beer keg." Oh, is that the joke? That's a little on point. All right, uh, indeed. Uh, Tintin is a uh, in the John- French
1: version. It's a it's a more subtle reference to a to a particular Belgium beer, not just a uh, not just beer itself.
0: So uh, Tintin's kind of dying of thirst. He says too. Uh, they go for the where they think the well is, but it's uh, run dry. Tintin passes out, yeah. and they decide, ah, we'll just leave him here. Yes. There we go. Uh, and and now we get Snowy basically taking on the uh, Haddock role of uh, swears, yeah, uh, which is whoa, ho, murderers, rotten sandhoppers. Yeah, it's very... But then again, Snowy's been spending a lot of time with the captain. He's going to pick up on things. As we see later on, people who listen to the captain do tend to pick up on the captain's way of swearing.
1: Yeah. Myself included.
0: Sure. So back to Thompson and Thompson.
1: Yes. So we get some more fun of them driving around. Look, another mirage. Camels in the distance. There you are. Gone. Told you so. This time they see a, a tent, some men praying towards Mecca. And now it's a mirage, of course. Yeah. He says, no, it isn't a mirage. And he says, oh, I sh- will show you that it is. So Thompson walks up, boots one of the poor fellows as he's praying in the bottom, and then realizes a mistake. And actually, I have to say, it does look very contrite. Hand to mouth. Yeah. Hand up. Obviously. Well, it's no a city. pretty
0: terrible thing to do is to kick a person when they're praying. Yes. That's pretty rough. That's pretty low. Yeah.
1: And so, uh it gets it ch- chased. chased. The guy yells out, stop you, coward. Damn you. I want to smash your head in.
0: Oh, is that what it says? Yeah. Nice. All right. So meanwhile, uh, we see... Snowy trying to wake Tintin up, uh, licking his forehead. He finally comes around. Uh, Tintin puts on the uh, puts a little, uh, sheet on his head, towel on his head. What would you say? Uh, wrapping uh, wrapping his head and yeah. uh, goes for a walk. And then they find water at last. Uh, so loving, loving water, as uh, Tintin <laughs> says.
1: What does that mean? What does water love us?
0: I think it does. I think it would be okay. such so just love. It almost seems like lovely water. Sh- yeah, right? it would
1: have been better if you said lovely water. I think. But so
0: okay. uh, the Thompsons uh, come up to it looks like the same uh, lake, or uh, you know, and oh no, it's another mirage. I'm going to show you by uh, driving right into it. And in fact, they drive their jeep right into the water.
1: What's interesting in the in the uh, I don't know if it's interesting, but what's in the the uh, La Petite Ventieme version? The sequence actually just a long. It's a longer panel, and so it says, you know, we're going straight ahead, and then it just cuts right to them sitting in the water. So you mm. don't get the splash. It's mm. just them in the water, and I actually, kind of like that better because it's a bit more abrupt, and you get the sense of, you know, oh.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's better comedically, but you don't yeah. get water, which you do enjoy. I can
1: see that's a fun thing to draw. Yep, but uh, I think in terms of t- of pacing, that the uh, original version was better.
0: Back to Tintin. Now that your thirst has been quenched, you're hungry, yeah. so he kicks a date tree, and unfortunately. A big bunch of dates uh, fall down on Snowy's head. Yes. Because Snowy is there and it's the comedy relief. Uh, So uh, uh, Snowy's trying to eat the dates saying, well, there's a bone inside, but I'd prefer a chop.
1: (laughs) I don't blame him. Yeah.
0: So uh, we then go to seeing time passing. Uh, I originally thought that it was the same lake that the Thompsons drove into because they both find water at the exact same time. But I guess not. (laughs) Uh, Tintin is uh, trying to get to sleep, but it's freezing. Here's something. And uh, it's horsemen. Snowy. Our luck's really in. We'll be rescued. But wait. No, no. Uh, Let's just stay hidden and uh, listen. So, throw it over to you.
1: Uh, So they start watching these men wondering what's going on, of course. And we see them. They men aren't really telling what they're doing either. They're being very mysterious for us as well. And suddenly we hear an explosion. I see an explosion. And the oil is ignited and is spraying out of the uh, oil pipe. And Tintin is... Now he knows what's going on. Now he wishes he could do something, but he doesn't know what to do. Then he notices this poor fellow who's having... I shouldn't say poor fellow, but this guy's having trouble with his stirrup, trying to... I don't know. Why would he put his stirrups up? You know? I mm. guess... Anyway. you think he was only going to be there a short time. No need to put them up. But anyway, he's having trouble with his stirrup. So Tintin takes advantage of that. And next thing you know, he's riding out after them. And, of course, they were wondering, why isn't he with us? Oh, there he is. Nope, okay. okay. Right on. Right on, everybody. Hey, okay, right
0: on. And, so
1: they're riding through the night. Then we cut to... It's interesting, because we cut to... I guess this in a room. A guy is... Announcing that the uh, pipeline has been broken and calling out repairs for it. And then uh, I guess I just want to intersperse between Tintin running, you know, kind of stretch the sequence out because we cut a gain to another
0: We're showing technician. the passage of time. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then we see the trucks heading out towards the pipeline to fix it, And then we kind of have a pause here now, No more running horses. The, uh, the leader stops, is talking to everybody, and Tintin is wondering I can swear I've heard his voice before, and let me just say, "Great horses." Mm. really well-drawn horses here
0: okay yeah i will agree
1: and uh and
0: nice silhouettes too the silhouette uh, work in this mm -hmm. is very it's very pretty yeah
1: and then uh so tintin is chosen to remain with the leader and so then he uh holds his horse for him while he goes off to do something and tintin wonders what it is so he sinks around the corner sees him and he realizes it's dr Mueller
0: who looks completely different than the last time i saw him yes
1: that's right it's dr Mueller. he's taller thinner and has a beard but Anyway, now this is otherwise f- he's exactly the same.
0: Now, this, I uh, maybe I'm, I'm misremembering. Is this the first time they've done the asterisks and reference to other books? Because that used to be a device in uh Marvel and DC comics, was when they you know they do a little th- asterisk, and like you yeah. might remember that you know, uh, Norman Osborne is Harry Osborne's yeah. no, father, was, as seen in Spider Man
1: number 40. He's used in the Blue Lotus, okay? Um, I'm pretty sure, and then yes, we see Mueller. Looking in a, rather strangely, he's looking in a handheld mirror, mm-hmm. checking out what's behind him, a compact, and then he... Yeah, uh, back uh, his why, pop, why
0: wouldn't a man normally look into a compact? Yeah, why not? Yeah, in the desert. Why wouldn't you? You're why fixing you? your makeup. Yeah. Nothing suspicious about that. But
1: I think he noticed Tintin spying on him and wanted yeah, to see what was happening. Yeah, that's right. So you next thing you know, you hear a crack, and Mueller appears out of nowhere, smashing a stick down onto Tintin, knocking him on the head unconscious. Snowy attacks. Snowy attacks. Snowy is knocked unconscious. Oh,
0: it's a brutal hit to Snowy. That is a tough hit. Like, cause you're getting that full body hit with Snowy. There's nothing funny about it. It's just, yeah, ugh. it's
1: terrible. And yeah. what's weird is that the sailor, who saw Snowy once in the in at night in a rail yard or in a shipyard, recognized him in the boat. But Mueller, who dealt with him through an entire book, all the way across England from Dover all the way to the Black Island, in that in, on the west coast of scotland or east coast of scotland i'm not too sure what coast it was actually everybody uh he uh, doesn't recognize Tint- or snowy at all he doesn't realize it's tintin until he unwraps the headscarf and realizes oh this is tintin
0: well to be fair he expects people to look radically different like he does he assumes everyone's lost a lot of weight and changed their look completely
1: then he points the gun at tintin and he says you've meddled in my affairs once too often tintin i'm fixing you for good and that was the final image in the original version of of uh the original published version right of um land of black gold
0: now and the other version uh sandstorms coming in no sandstorm here yet
1: no uh, instead he sees he spots the thompsons in the distance yeah, yeah.
0: he actually hears them first yeah. yeah and then it's like oh it's a jeep okay well they're after me already they're from the thompsons yeah so uh i well, we can't shoot them because they uh, hear that so all right uh, what are we going to do? Okay, well, there's plenty of time to deal with him later. That's always a bad idea, by the way, if you're a villain. There's never plenty of time to deal with him later. Don't leave James Bond tied up. Don't leave Tintin tied up. Don't leave Batman tied up. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not a good idea. So uh, so he's sneaking around with a gun, uh, but then uh, Tintin has, uh, has woken up, has grabbed a gun himself, and now we're in a gunfight. Uh, a bit of rock is shot off, hits Snowy in the nose, once again, because Snowy is now the comedy relief character, so that's okay. Uh, and uh, it's like, uh, what? There's there's no more shooting, says uh, Tintin. He's stopped. Well, maybe it's a trick. Then he hears the galloping horses and realizes that uh, Mueller is made off with both horses. Yes. Yeah, back to square one with a bump on my head as well, says <laughs> Tintin. And uh, off he starts walking. He spots uh, a pair of uh, tire tracks. Yeah, And it's like, oh, that's a bit of luck. We can just follow that. Uh, then we go, meanwhile, we're seeing the Thompsons, and they're following tire tracks and following more tire tracks and following more tire tracks, seeing more and more tire tracks. And every kid reading this is realizing what's going on, like yeah. it's a pantomime, yeah. <laughs> screaming at them, not realizing that they're going in
1: circles. Yeah, especially when they find the, the, the gasoline can, the jerry can lying in the in the um, sand, and they're like, oh, someone's lost their gasoline can. Yeah. Well, and they go around behind, and they're like, oh, that's a bit of luck. We lost ours. We can replace it with this one.
0: Well, this is a thing. Like uh, again, I, I write for Simpsons comics, and they've made people have made charts of the dumbing of Homer Simpson. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see a similar chart for the dumbing mm-hmm. of uh, yeah. Yeah. of Thompson and Thompson. Yeah, because this one they're uh, really not that smart.
1: I was reading a I was reading, actually reading an article about this effect um, in reference to this. Someone was at, wondering if this is what would really happen if you were in the desert, and you were trying to. Uh, travel somewhere would you end up going in circles and it actually would happen if you don't have a a landmark to guide you like if you Mm -hmm. don't have the sun to guide you in a particular direction then you will naturally start to curve your path whether you're walking at night or blindfolded you will just naturally start to go waver off of your course and start to go in one direction or the other in a a curve so it is it is what would happen to them but because they're too dumb to look up in the sky and see where the sun is (sighs) Uh, that would have given them a landmark that they could drive and you know not have to. But whatever, <laughs> it's silly. also for comedy. Uh, and it's Tintin himself who realizes that the tr- the tracks. It could be a convoy of jeeps. He says, unless ah he realizes it's just one jeep driving around and around in circles. Yeah. Who and who could that be? He think he'd answer it right away.
0: <laughs> yeah. How many dummies are there? Uh, and then the 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 sandstorm finally does hit yeah it's it's there and uh tintin's fighting against it
1: this is a really well done sequence, tries to hunker
0: down until the storm blows over yeah uh and then uh the the Thompsons are coming uh, they're going they're going through this as well uh they try to put the uh roof the cloth roof on the jeep uh but get blown away like it's a parachute or sail yeah uh they're sort of hearing each other uh the one of the thompson's hats lands on snowy uh, and uh, and and Tintin sees the hat, realizes it's the Thompsons, because I guess they wrote their name in, in the hat.
1: Who and, else could it be?
0: Well, also probably wrote their name in the hat. Seriously. Yeah. So he's uh, shouting, trying to get their attention. They can't quite hear him. Uh, shouting, trying to get the attention. Shooting a gun to try to get the attention. They think it's uh, tires blowing. A uh, bunch of confusion. Will they meet up? Nope. No dice. Tintin gives up. Hunkers down. Well, they covers, keep thinking he's
1: a mirage, that's calling to them.
0: True. Uh, co- uh, covers. Your, your
1: natural, your natural inclination when you hear someone yelling in, in a sandstorm is to think it's a mirage.
0: And uh, and it's a really it's a nice uh, picture. The the final uh, panel on page thirty two, where he's covering up Snowy. Yeah. Basically preparing to die, and uh, and uh, Snowy going, "Hey, hold! That's nice."
1: Well, the whole sequence is really well done. Like you get a yeah. real sense of like the wind blowing, like yeah. how strong it is with the canopy really helps with how much it's you know being torn away and and just him like clawing at the sand trying to keep his trying to keep from getting blown away too
0: yeah then there's a discussion with the thompsons whether or not mirages can talk yeah it's a good discussion to have frankly uh finally they do uh meet up the gun goes off they get each other and uh, it's a beautiful reunion between thompson and tintin uh but really all the thompson cares about is his hat yeah fair enough cuz uh, you
1: know it's a hat
0: so they're going driving along Uh, poor Tintin plum tuckered out he couldn't sleep the night before we remember he's asleep Uh, one of the Thompsons who isn't driving goes to sleep then the Thompson who is driving goes to sleep and then we see them driving towards uh, the city slash village slash town Uh, driving through a market everyone jumping out of the way of the market uh, we, they drive for quite a while with people ju- uh, going out of the way until once again, uh, boy, the Thompsons interrupt a lot of prayers. Uh, <laughs> drive through the wall of a mosque. Uh, and yeah, just at
1: prayer time as well. So,
0: and let me let me hope that when Tintin wakes up. Uh, he's not swearing. like you're saying that these stars with uh, exclamation marks next to him are just uh, startled uh, expressions. Yeah, state of mind state of mind because it would be pretty terrible if you bust through a mosque yeah. and then start swearing up a storm when you wake up. Uh, so the so Thompson and Thompson are arrested, thrown into prison, rightfully so frankly, uh, driving <laughs> while asleep and, and uh, then we'll cut to the next morning. Where Mueller is talking to uh, Mohammed Ben Kalish Azab.
1: Yes, another bit of fun on on Hergé's part. Tell okay.
0: me what this pun is. I don't think
1: it's, I. It's because it's, the thing is, it's in Brussels, or oh, I wish I could know how to pronounce that, or Morelian. Maril- Mar- Mar- anyway, this uh, obscure dialect in, in Belgium. Uh, and basically, the word is it's a, two words it's Kalisha, like K A L I S C H E, mm-hmm. and the other word is Zap, Z A P. Right. So, Kalish is up, and what it means is licorice water.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: I don't know. What, it, what is licorice water? The only place I've ever heard of licorice water is in Great Expectations, the Dickens novel. Mm-hmm. Pip, the main character, yeah. one night makes himself some delicious licorice water. It's called Spanish licorice water. Yeah. But he makes it for himself, and it's called, it says, an intoxicating brew, it's described as. Oh. I don't know if it's really intoxicating, because it's licorice, which is not actually right. intoxicating. Right. But I think that maybe they just thought it was intoxicating. Oh, this is a
0: shame because normally I like. Because
1: licorice liquor. See, they yeah, thought At one uh, time they must have thought it was. Oh, uh, a, a, I see what toxic, you're saying. Because uh,
0: normally I, I do like to try and drink an appropriate beverage along while I'm reading the book. So if I'd known about that, I would have been drinking yeah, some licorice been, water for sure. I would have just stuck some licorice into some water and drank that. Well, down. I guess it
1: was a powder because licorice is like a root, right? Yeah. And so you grind it, and then you just put it into a glass and mix it in, and then it gives it a bit of a taste. I mean, Uzo uses licorice flavor, right? Absolutely. An anise, so yeah, yeah.
0: All right, so uh, where's Tind? All right, so, okay. So, uh, will you sign this contract, says Mueller? And no, no, he will not. Well, as your highness pleases, uh, I hope you will not come to regret your decision. Well, is that some kind of threat? Mm-hmm. And uh, just then a person comes in to talk to uh, Mohammed Ben Karish is up.
1: I guess what he's saying. Uh, what is he saying? There is someone here to see you.
0: Oh, very good. Yeah. Uh, it is a Tintin, and so uh, Mueller is leaving. Does not recognize Tintin. Tintin turns his head. Yeah. Uh, does not At recognize. He's wearing him.
1: those elaborate robes. So yeah. He's able to hide his-
0: Tintin gets a little smug about the old. Oh man, some people really need to keep their eyes open. Which in Tintin verse means you're going to walk into a pole. Which is in fact what happens.
1: Hurt his ear too, I think, quite a bit.
0: Yeah, poor guy.
1: So the king want to say, snowy
0: looking up, going, better you than me, buddy.
1: I should say the emir is actually based on uh the Saudi king. Uh his name was based on I- his name was Ibn Sa'd, he was a king of Saudi Arabia. And uh Hergé learned about him. He read this book uh, about him that came out in nineteen thirty-nine. Mm-hmm. So he's probably doing a little bit of research preparing to do this story, and read this book by this guy named Anton Zishka about him. And also, we've talked about the crappy wee before the mortar shell, which was kind of a satirical magazine. Uh, it had a, in the same issue that had the article that inspired the Broken Ear, talking about the Grand Chaco War. It also had an article talking about uh, battling interests for oil, the oil interests in the Middle East. So that also was what gave him an idea for the story as well. Oh, okay. So, yeah.
0: All right. I'm going to call this Fellow the King for the rest of this, just uh, sure. to make it easy for just, me, because it's all about it being easy for me. Yeah. Now this...
1: I'll keep thinking it's Elvis.
0: <laughs> sure. Go ahead. Every time he leaves the building. Uh, so uh, this is where Tintin's nice manners come into play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's re- he really presents himself well. Uh, and uh, and, tell- and Tintin fills him in on the story of everything that's happened so far that we've read. And us read. too. And us as well. Yeah. That's right. If we were
1: feeling a little lost. Here's a little recap Here's a little catch you. up for you. Okay. Page 35, we're ha- basically a little over halfway through.
0: And here's the exposition dump that time we've come to, to come to expect. Come to
1: know and love.
0: Right. So, uh, he's uh, talking about, uh, you know, uh, at the moment there was a burst of flame. Uh, they had fired the pipeline. Yeah, one of two raids. I heard about them yesterday. I'm doing it like... Edward. <laughs> Edward yeah, Robinson. she it's Sharon two raids, yeah? I'm a sheik. Yeah, that's right. Sheik, come yeah. she this me, uh, Your heart belongs to me, she. Uh, there were uh, two more raids last night. If only I could lay my hands on that mongrel, Bab-El-Air. So, it's Bab-El-Air who... No, no, no. Uh, he's trying to depose me with the help of Skull Petroleum. Uh, should he come to power... I always feel the exposition dumps are best just to be read. Uh, should uh, he come to power, he would lease the oil concessions in uh, Qadimq, uh, Arabia, to Skull and expel uh, Arabex, who operate with my agreement. That's why Bab El Azar and his brigands attack the Arabex installations. Now, the present contract I have with Arabex is uh, due to expire. If I'd wished I could uh, then sign a new contract... But with Scoil, that's the proposal made uh, to me by Professor Smith, who just left here as you arrived. I think I understand, says Tintin. And turns to the audience and goes, do you? (laughs) And it's like, uh, as if to answer that question, the... What would you
1: do? (laughs) That's
0: right. Spinning question mark. Yeah. Uh, It's very simple. If I sign the contract with Scoil, the attacks will cease immediately. So why do I refuse to sign Professor Smith's contract? Yeah. Well,
1: I wonder. Yeah, I I wonder. Yeah.
0: It is strange. I do not know why why I'm telling you this. Well, because otherwise we wouldn't know what the plot of this story is. Yeah. Uh, you are a stranger. I have no reason. But I trust you. So, uh, inshallah, I refuse to sign the contract because I do not like Professor Smith and I do not like Skull Petroleum. But I have interrupted your story. You were telling how the saboteurs had blown up the pipeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Which we already know so we don't have to go too far into this. So That's right. So begins to explain when suddenly a servant runs in yelling for the master saying, your son. And uh, we don't know this son so we imagine... From the the uh, king's description of him as this little lamb playing yes. a prank, that he's a kind little boy, maybe a little misunderstood.
0: Now, long story short, uh, in, in this bit, uh, we're looking around, uh, thinking he's just joking, but no, he's not joking. He's been kidnapped, and uh, and he gets the uh, the note saying to Mohammed Ben uh, Khalish Azab, if you want to see your son again tomorrow, uh, throw Arabex out of Khemed, and it's signed Bab El Air. Which is what Tintin expected completely. <laughs> By the way, Tintin did some yes. detective work to prove that he'd been kidnapped.
1: Yeah, it's good because well, the king is futzing around. He is actually uh, doing some detective work.
0: And at this point, the uh, the king breaks down, crying that his uh, son is uh, is missing. Pulls out a handkerchief, and uh, it's uh, covered in sneezing powder uh, <laughs> because uh, the kid is a bit of a prankster. We find out.
1: We can say that
0: right. So uh, they um, just
1: so, just so you know the please. the uh, yeah it says there oh, the, the actual Arab writing says or the script says is to muhammad ben khalil not to muhammad ben kalish isab it says if you want to see your son alive you should sign the contract with school bab el amir it says not Babelir, air but ba- sorry Bab air which bab el amir is uh, arabic for the door of the princess so it's good that it's total nonsense mm. yeah, just throwing it out there so, so I don't know why the translator did that. Just kind of took it and went his own way. Maybe he couldn't read Erge's writing. I don't know.
0: And who was going to say that he was wrong.
1: Yes, exactly. uh,
0: So we go a few minutes later to a meeting with a military advisor. Uh, Tintin is offered a cigarette. Doesn't smoke. By the way. Yeah. Name. Okay. It's uh, Ben Mulfrid.
1: Mulfried. Mulfrid. Oh, wait, yep.
0: Yusuf Ben Mulfred. Mulfred. I feel like yeah. I'm playing uh, this yeah. game called Bumper Stumpers. Yes, where you used to like have to uh, read a license plate and come up with. Okay, uh, right, what's it? Yusuf Ben Mulfred. M- you're not Yusuf gonna get
1: it. You're not gonna get it. Never. S- never you're gonna get it. Okay, what is it? Never in a million years. Hit me. Guess. Never, never.
0: <laughs> what the <laughs> why Look, you don't do a reverse <laughs> on that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, wait, so you want me to guess? Uh, okay. Uh, you're never going to get it? you are you, bothering? Y- you Yusuf, you're, you're my best friend. That's what I think it is. Uh, All right, you tell me. What you hey, I mean? Sh- ugh. The form you've told me, it. it's an impossible I throw, can't. and then you're mocking uh, me for not making
1: it. I can't believe you went there. Go. Hit me. What is it? Brother. Uh, Mulfrit. Uh, it's a popular uh, Belgium dish mm-hmm. with mussels and, and french fries. I can't believe you didn't guess it.
0: Oh, it's uh, must be so delicious in the desert heat to eat that. And <laughs> well, all right. it's
1: just weird? Why would you make name someone in the desert that name? It'd be the other question. You know why? Because it's we're real little, late in the story, it's a and weird we gotta come.
0: We've used up all the good names. Maybe it's little, that's why. It's a little reference. Uh, anyway, they're all having a smoke except for Tintin, who says yeah. he won't smoke. Yeah. Uh, so the military Scout, advisor, lights true and true, lights up a, c- a cigar. Bang! Goes off. Ha ha! Says the king, "That's my son. He uh, likes to uh, prank." The old cigars. Yeah, I'm just gonna smoke my cigarette. Wasn't that sweet? Here we go. Puff, puff, bang. That goes off as well. Oh, that guy, he made me so crazy. But
1: you know what's funny? It's as, it's as if Hergé actually knew how they work because it's not a bang that you get from them. It's a pshht because they had a sparkler in them or a fuse, right? That like a like a phosphorescent or something like that that burned really bright, like really quickly, and gave you kind of a flash yep. rather than explosion. Because you want want things exploding in your mouth. And
0: they're both covered in because
1: from this because teeth.
0: Yes, that's true. Uh, so uh, off uh, the men go to search the next day, or a few hours later, to search for uh, uh, the, the. There we go. Uh, there they go. Uh, with uh, Alice's help, they will succeed. They will snatch my dear duckling from the hands of Bab El Air. But now Tintin reveals I don't think Bab El Air has it. What? Why didn't you say that before the guys left, you yeah, jerk? I was like, well, because I think maybe Mis- someone else might be really in on it.
1: Misdirection. That's right. <sighs> Illusion.
0: Tintin would make a good magician. Uh, At that point, uh, the the king shows a picture of uh, the latest portrait of the sun. A little cherub, adorable, could not be sweeter. Anyway, I'm just going to uh, open up uh, my my case of matches right now. And a rubber spider springs out because, once again, the boy is a bit of a trickster. We've established that, right? That will come into play a little bit later on. Yes,
1: he is a constant... Trickster. in
0: fact uh there's uh, bangs on the floor uh because caps are lying on the floor uh that are occasionally stepped on and just livens the place up <laughs> yes
1: very nice what a place to live that's right uh so tintin goes for a walk i don't know if he's in disguise wearing sunglasses i'm not too sure what the idea is there but he's he's going along he sees uh, a man sneezing in the marketplace and yeah. he goes sneezing. I Cold? A sneezing power? I better follow. So he follows this man.
0: Yeah, it must be and, Professor Smith's uh, palace up there. Oh, that's Smith right, being yeah. being Mueller.
1: Mueller, that's right. So he sees the uh, palace based in, on a real a real uh, Syrian keep.
0: Now, what is being said at the bottom of page 40?
1: So on the bottom of page 40, well, one thing we recognize who we see there, we see uh, Olivier de Figaro the Portuguese merchant that uh, Tintin met in Cigars of the Pharaoh.
0: And you, if you didn't recognize him, you would see on the next page, it would tell
1: you that. Yes. And then uh, he is saying, come on in. And the other man is saying, good morning. Mm. And on the next page, he's saying to uh, Olivier, uh, de Figaro, saying, at your service, dear sir, I have everything you need at low prices. And then, um, of course, Tintin realized, recognized him in great snakes. It's Senor Oliviera de Figaro. Or figura, I guess yeah. you'd say.
0: Persuading a guy in the desert to buy a pair of roller
1: skates. <laughs> yes. And then uh yes, that's and then of course then the next panel he's saying to him, at your service anytime, and the and the Arab is saying goodbye. At And uh then what's interesting is Tinus just kind of appears at his side without introducing himself. And uh and then the figure, figure doesn't recognize him. But, of course, it's been quite a while, if we think about it. Yeah. Cigars of the pharaoh. It's been a long time since Also, have
0: been. Also, you know, people are polite there. They talk to each other. So you would just start a conversation yeah. up. That's not that's unusual. True. He reveals himself as Tintin. Ah, yeah. what a wonderful surprise. This calls for a celebration. They break up the wine. Yes. Because Tintin does drink wine. Yes, um,
1: because you have that at communion. Right. So it's perfectly fine.
0: Absolutely. And uh, meanwhile, Snowy takes a little nosing around uh, somewhere he shouldn't and gets his tail caught in a mousetrap. <laughs> uh, that well, he, is Snowy's uh, fault. He
1: deserved it.
0: On page 42, you actually, it looks like uh, Snowy's in quite a bit of pain with that mousetrap.
1: Well, it's good because he's licking his tail, which is more of a dog-like thing than we've ever seen before. And then, of course, then Tintin plugs in the goes to plug in the radio, but turns on the, the a fan, a circular fan, and then... Snowy's tail is in the circular fan. It gets hit again, so we get another shot of him licking his licking his tail, licking right. his wounds,
0: and uh, and Snowy going. I wish that Haddock was here or the Thompson so this <laughs> wouldn't happen to me.
1: But what's really interesting is that uh, when when uh, Tintin first turns on the radio, we get to hear Bianca Castafiore has a little cameo now, a little shot of her mysteriously with green hair. I don't know why her hair is green. Mm-hmm. Purple, maybe because it matches her purple dress.
0: Yeah, it's happened to Tintin's hair in the past.
1: I don't know. Yeah, sometimes it could be a mix of of the green background with the yellow right. of the hair, and it just ended up making a making a. a now this music
0: tint. here uh, is that legit music? Could you play that music?
1: Yeah, I don't know about that. No, I don't think so. It's not le- not legit because um, there's. Sh- I don't think you wouldn't have five. You wouldn't have five of those eighth notes in one bar like that. I don't think. Okay. Because you'd normally have four at the most. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Fair enough. But they're. Maybe I'm wrong. So he turns to know. the European but news it's service. once again, it's still the, the uh, Jewel song from Faust that she's singing.
0: Nice. Uh, and, and by the way, we were talking about who would Groucho make fun of. Uh, in, uh, that, that would be her. Yes, she be she'd her be the Margaret Dumont. Yeah. Absolutely. She would be a wonderfully played by Margaret Dumont. Yeah. Uh, so uh, then we get the European news service on the radio. I'll throw it over to you for that.
1: Yes, so, and now we find out that uh, foreign ministers, uh, meaning foreign ministers, a spokesman has indicated that there has been a definite easing of tension an easing too of the outbreak of engine explosions which has bedeviled many countries. It says bedeviled, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the epidemic seems to have ceased as mysteriously as it began. And then we get a statement from the Fuel Research Division of the Ministry of Transport that they have nothing to say except their investigations are continuing. So they don't have a cure for it. It's just ceased of its own accord. Right. And then... Uh,
0: Snowy is licking his tail at that point. Yes,
1: Snowy is definitely licking his tail. Just add a little bit of humor to a rather dry uh, dump of of information. So now Tintin gets down to work. What he needs to know is how to get into Professor Smith's keep, his fortress on top of the mountain. And uh, he's met just the man, though. Oliviera de Figura, de Figura <laughs> can get in anywhere. And, of course, he has an, an inn. So... Is his decides... name
0: funny for some reason, Oliviera de Figura? Not really. It feels like that's something, right? Yeah, it's not really. Okay,
1: I mean, I think f- Figura is like figures. It
0: feels like all of the Figura, all of the fig. Anyway, well, all of Fig, Olive of Figura. Now everything, Oliver
1: uh, is basically Oliver Figure.
0: Oliver Figure. Yeah. Ah, like see, now this is the problem. When you do it with like one or two names, now I'm looking at all names yeah. uh, with a cocked eye. Yeah. Anyway, all
1: right, let's go to the next morning. Next morning, we have Tintin disguised as. Uh, Figure as well. He describes him as uh, poor, poor lad. He's a little bit uh, simple. A little bit simple. Yes, yes. Yeah. A phrase that has gone out of expression. That's gone out of out of uh, style. But uh, he begins to tell. I think it's a great story. He starts telling just the just the whole story. How the guys lean into it. The way he tells it, really well done. Then he tells the little boy, Alvaro, as Tintin is 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 uh, disguised to go and play in the garden and. Uncle will call him when it's time, and so Alvero slash Tintin goes outside and immediately gets to work. With a rather interesting, a little neat little trick, he's got a he's got a kind of a climbing gear, a rope with a hook on it that he f- throws up to the balcony and is able to hook on and climb up into the onto the balcony of uh, Mueller's room and begin to do some investigation.
0: Yeah, he gets it in the first try. What luck!
1: Yes, that's well, a bit of luck. Because it would be boring to have uh, page after page <laughs> yes, of him throwing it. Uh, try it one more time One more time
0: Unless it hooked a bird or something And flew him up or something That'd be pretty good Anyway so searching That would be the
1: more magical Than what happened
0: <laughs> Fair enough
1: Prisoners of the Sun
0: Well he did ride down on a bird That
1: makes sense It's a big bird
0: Okay And the birds come back for revenge That's uh, right So that, that reminds me Where's that criminal bird Where's he Is he still a loose I think he is uh, So uh, the room's empty As Tinsen says As he goes in I must lock the door If someone comes It'll give me time to get away So he does that uh, the key's in the door and the door's locked from the inside. But there's no one here. It doesn't make any sense. Looks around. It looks in a folder. Uh, a bunch of newspaper cuttings uh, saying, More petrol blasts. World's aircraft grounded. Fuel mystery. Scientists baffled. Yeah. A lot of uh, a lot of scientists baffled headlines in old timey stories, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of spinning newspapers. Scientists baffled.
1: Well, they were from a long time ago, so they were dumb. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's right. If they were smart, they would yeah. have had all the stuff we've got now. That's exactly right. Nice job, scientists.
1: <laughs> Smarten up! That's <laughs> right, you dummies. Yeah,
0: what's wrong with you? What do you guys know? You're not building those fancy computers yet. Anyway, got so, table the
1: elements. What good did it do you?
0: So uh, is reading that now. Uh, why should Doctor Mueller be interested in that uh, petrol mystery? I wonder. And then here's a sneeze. Someone's coming. It is Mueller uh, yeah. coming through uh, a hearth. Uh, Hearths opens and he comes. I have up. a little bit
1: of a man crush on Mueller. I got to say, he's ruggedly handsome.
0: Well, you know what? You shave your head, grow a beard, maybe you can uh, sport that look.
1: <laughs> no. Um, so yeah, he comes out from under a st- secret door underneath the fireplace, mm-hmm. and then this is a great sequence, by the way. So he's looking at. Uh, he of course he's brought, he's ma- managed to confiscate the sneezing powder by trading a pair of roller skates. Uh, hence the buying the roller skates It does make figure. sense yep, Yeah Yep. And so he puts the seasoning uh, powder in his desk Mueller does Tintin is hiding under a uh, a uh, I guess a, What do you call those kind of tables like a
0: round end table A lamp table, table. Yeah
1: lamp an end table, table. That's, that's right End table That's the word for it Meanwhile Oh there's a fly in the room What's going to happen I'm going to say it's a wasp Dave It's a wasp why
0: Because it says it's uh, a wasp on my In my book
1: Oh he does say Ach, A wasp Get away you Toyful I Just wait till I And then he Accidentally hits the... Well, hits the whole desk, actually. He yeah, he's anything, overreacting to a wasp, including frankly. Including the sneezing powder. Uh He's sneezing away. He runs out to the door, sneezing, and then he hears a sneeze from inside. Now, that is strange, he thinks. And Tintin gives him away by sneezing. Then, so... S- sneezes off his disguise. He sneezes off his disguise. But they're both sneezing by this point. So, uh, Mueller recognizes Tintin again. Yes, uh, uh, so this time he's going to shoot him because there's no reason not to shoot him, says Mueller. But then he sneezes and oh, so exciting. Tintin punches him in the chin and then he's got him ready for the the coup de grace. Knock a punch. His uh, hand is, his fist is back, cocked, ready to hit him. And then he sneezes. So then Mueller punches him. Tintin flies back, lands on the couch. Then Mueller goes charging at him and then Tintin. Brilliantly lifts his legs up and drives him into the wall, knocking him unconscious. A really well done scene. The action in that is just great.
0: Yeah, beautiful. Here's the one gross part none of them are covering their face when they sneeze. Pretty disgusting, that whole fight, if you saw it in real That's life. That's
1: true. They should be tucking their their hand into their into their arm. Yes, please. Yeah, because please. otherwise, things are spraying all yeah, over the all place over. here. Anyway, on, uh, we'll learn th- that now you've
0: got a nice action uh, scene, as you say. Uh, the unconscious Mueller is, is now on uh, Tintin's lap, looking huge, by the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then Tintin sneezes one final time, and a picture falls off the wall onto Tintin's head.
1: That's the comedy of ones. <laughs>
0: That's right. So uh, you know, whew, uh, that was lucky. Uh, but still, what's uh, nice is
1: though we cut to to Figuera still telling the story, <laughs> yes, even more elaborate now. Everyone's it's crying. On. Everyone's yes, yeah, it's great. It's well done. Yeah. And then we cut back to because uh, we don't need to see him tying up uh, Mueller. So t- Mueller's tied up and gagged behind the couch. Uh, Tintin calls the king, tells him what's up, grabs a gun, and then pushes the button to head down into the secret underground passage. Yeah what happens next to you
0: he, he goes down follows some train tracks goes crumbs what a place a real Maginot line uh <laughs> and then sneezes again giving giving his position away to someone asking is that you boss boss is that you boss uh trying not to sneeze nope nobody there says the the guard uh leaving could have swore i heard a sneeze uh tintin gets the gets him uh gets a drop on gets him gets a yeah. drop on him holds up a gun uh, hands up or i'll shoot uh, gets his gun away from him and uh, leads him to uh, the son, this adorable, wonderful child yes. who we're about to meet. Based... You know, the apple of his father's eye, the, yeah. pumpkin, the pumpkin, the lambkin, the, lambkin. the sweet, <laughs> sweet boy,
1: who's a real jerk. Based on the king of Iraq, uh, Faisal II, who came to the throne at age four. The picture, the portrait of him in the palace actually based completely on a picture of oh. Fi- Faisal II. Uh, also inspired... And the the, the uh, actual character was suggested by uh, Erje's friend Jacques van Malkebeek. He said, "You know, you know what would be funny? This would be funny." And it kind of gave him the character. But it was based so based in looks on Faisal II. On behavior, there's this great O. Henry story called "The uh, Ransom of Red Chief." Yes. Do you know that story? Yeah, very great story. And yeah, completely. Very much based on that character as well, in terms of his behavior.
0: Yeah. When yeah. I was just seeing it, was like a real Dennis the Menace. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Dennis isn't this much of a jerk. So uh, he doesn't <laughs> want to leave. He yeah. does not want to leave. And uh, squirts uh, Tintin with some seltzer in the face, in fact. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then uh, the guard uh, leaps for Tintin's gun and says... Drop it. Very good. Uh, and, and the child is just enjoying the heck out of this. Whoopee, clever me, he says. Uh, this is back when kids could be real jerks. You know, uh, real, real jerks. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so Tintin's uh, fighting him. Kid's enjoying it, going, uh, Abdullah's got the key. Abdullah's got the key. Ha-ha, I've got it. All right, that's quite enough, says Tintin. Uh, Come on, no, and slams the door. Uh, Tintin's got to figure a way to get out, saying, all right, well, we're going to the, c- the cinema without you. That's all. Goodbye, that old one. Yeah. Uh, tapping on the feet yeah. to walk away.
1: Just the, the quieter, from loud to quieter, tap, 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 tapping.
0: Yeah, tries to grab him. Shant, won't. And then uh, Tintin... uh, Slips on the roller skate. Yeah, knocks him down uh, because he slips on the roller skate. And we get the wah from the kid. Yeah. Oh, be quiet for crying. And uh, covers his mouth, gets his hand bit. Uh, Tintin's having enough of this business. Yes. Tintin wants to kind of turn to him and go, you know, this is the era where I could just punch you in the face, right? Because <laughs> no one would care because yes. it's back in these yeah. old times yeah. when it would be fine. That's right. But he can't. So the kid's crying, making uh, too much noise. Uh, finally, Tintin has enough, shuts the door and just gives him a good, I assume, spanking. Yeah. I assume he's not punched him in yeah. the face. No, because he's, no, he's holding butt. his butt. No, because
1: he's holding his butt. And there's some, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, I hate you. I shall tell my papa, and my papa is the emir. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That's great.
1: Anyway, uh, take him along. Yeah,
0: doesn't really care.
1: So mad at him.
0: Uh, Meanwhile, uh, Mueller is being untied, uh, and then we cut back to the story continuing. Yes. A wonderful story being told, Uh, but it's interrupted. By saying, uh, uh Abdul, come at once. The master needs you. Oh, oh my gosh, how I rattle on. I must go. Uh, important appointment. Uh, if you see my nephew, uh, send him home. Uh, goodbye. And off they go to, uh, to search for uh, the master and yeah. uh, what he needs. So uh, Tintin's leading the boy, uh, who is still rubbing his butt yes. uh, from the spanking. Uh, he's being uh, pursued. Uh, and uh, what's the gentleman's name again who was telling the story? Sorry.
1: Uh, Oliviera de Figuera.
0: Right. is uh, worried about Tintin and what will become of him, and then spots Snowy, uh, and uh, sees Snowy running by. Meanwhile, uh complaining kid again, uh, Tintin's dragging him along. Uh, he wants to play trains and goes on the tracks, and is doing a chuffa, 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 chuffa. <laughs> it's like, oh, this... Stop it. Come here. tries to grab him. Tintin trips. Chuffa, 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 chuffa. <laughs> you know, at a certain point, you got to go, eh, let's just kill him and say, oh, I did my best. <laughs> anyway. Who t- would know? Yeah, who would know? Anyway, the, the, the bad guys, Mueller and the bad guys grab uh, the kid uh, and, sh- and fire a machine gun at uh, Tintin who uh, ducks out of the way. Uh, the kid uh, kicks, kicks him. Uh, knocking him, kicks
1: the machine gunner.
0: Kicks the machine gunner, uh, who chases after Tintin. Uh, and runs into a room and uh, and uh, what's that? Oh yeah, sticks it, sticks the gun through the door. Uh, fires it at some boxes. The boxes contain signal flares. Uh, Tintin grabs the gun as it sticks I uh, know he would.
1: He hit it with his gun because oh, the the barrel would be boiling hot.
0: That's th- correct. Uh, Wax the uh, gun with his barrel of his gun, smacking him in the face. Okay, at least he's got a moment's peace, says Tintin as he shuts the door, turning to see all of these flares just about to go off. <laughs> and, and they we, do.
1: We get a shot from outside, people in the streets looking up at the keep, or this fortress on the on the hill, all these flares flying out the window. Tintin and, covering himself with a box. Yes, yeah, using a box, use a box to uh, protect himself. Yes. Yeah.
0: Seem to calm down. Nope. One pff, right in the face. There we go. All yeah. right. Everything's fine. Classic. And then the door opens. Who is it? Who is it? It's Snowy and Captain Haddock. Yay! Who says I don't get paid unless I show up in this episode? That's right. <laughs> Hello. It's my your old friend Captain Haddock. In the last couple of pages of the story. Good yeah. to see you again. I was at the very beginning. Remember. Uh, and then now we've got Snowy and Haddock. Let's see if my theory holds true. Uh, a, a flare goes off and lands right in Captain <laughs> Haddock's face. Oh, but it also seems to land in uh, Snowy's, Snowy's face, face uh, well. rightly after. Maybe it's I'm incorrect. It's an equal
1: opportunity offender. These that's, flares. That's true. Though all of them got it in the face.
0: But it looks like, yeah, that's true.
1: I just think whatever seemed funny to Erger, he did <laughs> what he did. Yeah. I don't think he had like a system or anything.
0: So uh, Tintin is uh, filling in the captain on what's going on, uh, saying uh, looking for the emir. Uh, uh, captain saying, yeah, "Yeah, I was I was going to tell you. You know, there there he is." Uh, they follow up, uh, talk to the emir uh, or king, saying, "Oh no," this is the emir, "Everything's lost. We arrived too late. The fiendish prote- f- protect professor escaped in the car, and he took my little duckling with him." Uh, but someone's gone after him. Yes, of course. My horsemen are in hot pursuit, and your two friends with mustaches and a jeep. Now we didn't mention earlier uh, the advice Tintin gave about those two guys was don't let them get out. <laughs> You've got them prisoner. Yeah. You were going to execute them for the mosque situation. Yeah. Okay. Don't do that.
2: Yeah. Uh, treat them.
0: Like... Treat them great. Yeah. But if you want me to take care of business, yeah. Keep those idiots <laughs> locked up. I don't need that much comedy relief. And I kind (laughs) of like that, you know, it's very sensible of him to uh, do that. He realizes what's what now. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, so Tintin notices a car, goes, who's that car belong to? Oh, it's mine. Why? All right, come on, let's go to the car. What? You can't have my car? It's mine! No! What? No! You'll damage the car! Come yeah. on, man.
1: It's your kid. It's an Italian car. Eh. Anyway, It's a la- la- Lancia. Aprilia. Yeah.
0: Tries to get them to stop, but uh, they do not. And So now it's Haddock. It's Tintin and Snowy off in the car. Uh, you know, uh, are you sure this is the way? Uh, mm. Yes, it's the only possible road. But tell me, Captain, you still haven't explained how you came to be here. Yeah, it's a good time for some more exposition. Uh, it's quite simple, really, but also rather complicated. First, I must tell you... Ah, Look! I always like that kind of bit.
1: Yeah, me too. Yeah. The Miros Horsemen, then they're racing along. Then they pass, they zip past Thompson's in their Jeep. And in fact, Thompson thinks that they're actually standing still, that they're not moving because it went past them so quickly. He steps out of the Jeep and tumbles through the sand.
0: Right. So dumb that the other one goes, what were you thinking? (laughs) And then he explains, oh, they move so fast I thought we were standing still. Okay, this is where, it's like, how dumb is too dumb? Yeah. To survive as a human being in this world. Mm-hmm. That probably is the point where they're not going to last very long in life after
1: this. True enough. Okay. Then so, we cut to uh, Mueller and Abdullah racing in their car.
0: I want to see these two for more pages. Just these two on a <laughs> long road trip, you know.
1: <laughs> well, this section is so it goes by so fast. I know that you feel like the... Uh, the well, we'll get when we get there. We'll talk about it. But uh, they're they're actually in one of the nicest cars of this time period, which is the Buick Roadmaster. Oh, there's some beautiful cars here. I We've love moved this car. from
0: good looking horses to good looking cars. Yeah, these are nice cars. We also had a good looking boat earlier, and there was a nice looking plane. Uh, so yeah, the the kid is uh, doing the old "I'm thirsty, I want an ice cream." It's like you're not being kidnapped, right? <laughs> and uh, so you're not getting an ice cream. Kid grabs the wheel, uh, trying to take control, get an ice cream. And uh, then the villain, because uh, he's a villain, he's allowed to do this, yeah. smacks the kid in the mush. Gives with back a, of his hand. Yeah. Right? There's your ice cream. That's <laughs> right. That's right. That is one of my favorite lines, though, is there's your ice cream.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then... Uh... <laughs> He's crying, of course, again. and yeah. Cut out that racket or I'll sit down, Abdullah. Sit down there. And then, of course, Abdullah's in the back seat now.
0: Yeah, he, he... knocked him so hard, he rushed him into the back seat. I
1: think he just climbed back there. I'm sure he a... did. He was... It sounds like he was not... he's unsettled. He says, so sit down. And then uh, he goes behind and puts some itching powder down the back of uh,
0: Mueller's, Mueller's jacket. jacket.
1: And then almost kills him by driving Mueller off the road into a flaming wreck.
0: Which he loves. Which he loves. He's so happy. Ah, an accident. Let's do it again.
1: Let's do it again. We can do another one. And then... Mueller, I've got you. And he's like... Uh,
0: Holds a gun to the kid's head. Holds a gun to the kid's Which the head. What the kid loves. Yeah. He's in a good old uh, real gangster
1: film. you are in a real gangster film. Then he hands him a gun, gives Mueller a, a, another gun. So now Mueller can keep one gun on the boy and keep the other gun on on uh, Tintin and, and Haddock and kind of control the situation. He comes up, he gets into the uh, Sheik's, uh, or the King's Lancia, Aprilia. <laughs> That's what kind of car it is. Sure. And uh, they drive off. To which uh, the captain has a few things to say, such as beast, baby snatcher, brigand, baboon, a bellum knight, bully, a bougainvillea, and, of course, the classic bashi bazook. Uh,
0: The The Turkish mercenary. The kid has uh, been sort of smashed into the car, like thrown in the car very hard. He's doing the crying and going along, and there you go. I hate you. I'm going home to my papa. Yes, yes and uh and then he uh, he jumps it, does he jump out of the car yes he jumps yeah. out of
1: the car because it's just starting so it's not going that fast that's right and then Tintin, a real shooter and you see him uh with his the gun on his arm mm-hmm. to make some so he can steady it for targeting and he shoots out the tire a very good shot and muller runs away will Saying not be alive. taken
0: alive yep uh, they must have taken cover, says Mueller. Only one chance for me. I must get round behind them. Uh,
1: so there's only one thing better than uh, Mueller having the boy, and that's Kadok having to look after the boy.
0: Right. So, uh, the, But the boy wants to play with the doggy, Snowy. Now, be quiet, you miserable little sea gherkin. Wah, I we'll won't play with the doggy. Wah, wah. And then uh, throw some sand into the captain's face, calling him Bluebird. Bluebeard. <laughs> Bluebeard. Yeah. Well. The captain has uh, had enough of that.
1: Yes, he's a, this boy is a duck-billed platypus. And
0: gives him a good old captain spanking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, thunder and typhoons, you be quiet, or I might start losing my temper. Uh, and then, oh, where's Tintin now, says the captain. It's, uh, it's too quiet. It's unnatural. Meanwhile, the kid blows up a balloon and uh, pops it behind him. Oh, for crying out loud, <laughs> this kid is a jerk. <laughs> uh, captain gets his hat shot off. Uh, and, uh, and uh, now Mueller is out. He's out of ammunition. He's like, you know, I said I wasn't going to be taken alive, and I keep my word. Uh, Tintin's horrified as yeah. he puts his gun uh, to his face and fires. Ah, it was full of ink. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> so, uh, one,
1: you- one interesting change is he's, he wants to destroy the F- Formula 14 first, he says. Mm-hmm. He reaches into his pocket and realizes he lost it. In the French version, it's N14, it's called, which hmm. So, which is uh, nitrogen. So nitrogen 14 there's 14 nucleons in in nitrogen so that's where it, so it's uh so it's kind of interesting so that's the, obviously the base component of this right. of this uh thing it's a sort of a a little touch from Erj there.
0: So uh, uh, the the boy uh, is uh, is now quite very excited about you know his ink gun working, and he's picked up uh, swearing from the captain. Yes. Uh, with a blistering. Well, barnacles. he calls them
1: blistering barnacles. That's his name.
0: Oh, that's what he calls. them. Yeah. that's nice. So uh, both uh, now we're now we're overseeing Thompson and Thompson, who have uh, spotted something uh, an aspirin container. It looks like on the ground. Well, they have they, a, a, they have, have a have
1: headache because they they say the heat driving in the sun is giving me a splitting headache. Yeah.
0: So. Also, if you're very thirsty, then just put some aspirin in your mouth. That'll Uh, dry it out in a nice way too and then uh they take the aspirin wait a second
1: it says uh driving in the sun has given me a splitting headache to be precise i'm a headache too just i know you this. nice i do
0: enjoy that (laughs) uh hello what's there on the ground they find the aspirin what a stroke of luck they both pop an aspirin in their mouth and uh then go bloop bloop and bubbles are coming out uh and their hats go flying off yeah something's not quite right uh they uh they
1: They turn into characters from sin city
0: They do. Uh, Tintin takes a look at the contents. No, it's the tablets have the, the maker's mark all right. It's extraordinary. Yeah, it's very odd. Uh, then, uh, very excited, uh, Abdullah is like, blistering barnacles, blistering barnacles. Look at your funny friends now. And they're starting <laughs> to change color. Their hair is red. Yeah. Uh, they are uh, very, very pale. Still
1: burping their green bubbles.
0: Yeah, do it again. He's very excited, the boy, at, uh, at this. Uh, since saying we must get help for them at once Uh, you take the car and return him to his father I'll drive the jeep with Mueller and the Thompsons which brings us to our cover
2: that's right
1: that's right
0: there we are uh, by the time he bring he brings them uh, he brings them there... Oh, by the way, Mueller is there saying, I'll make you rich for the rest of your life if you destroy those aspirins instead of analyzing them. Ah, so the tube belongs to you. What's in the tablets? Why worry? Just destroy them and your fortune's made. No, thank you, Dr. Mueller. I'm not interested. You offered me money and I hate that because I'm Tintin.
1: Apparently. <laughs> so. Independently wealthy.
0: So two hours later at the hospital, uh, we see uh, the condition of the Thompsons. They now have hair down to the floor looking yeah. like Cousin It
1: yes, from... Uh, I was going to the say, they're characters from Little Abner now.
0: Sure, Little Abner. I'm going to go with uh, Charles Adams' characters. Okay. Uh, they are green. Uh, uh, their bubbles are coming out of them. And uh, the the doctor is jumping back in shock. <laughs> you know, a yeah. little later, uh, we see uh, the king very happy to be reunited with his son. Uh, excited. Uh, the kid does not want to go back with, his, uh, with the king, though. He wants to stay with blistering barnacles.
1: Yes, rushing back, he smashes the captain in the nose. <laughs> it bur- well, actually, he bur- he hits the pipe and burns the captain's nose with the pipe, which of course pleases Abdullah so much. You know, burn your nose again, again, do it again, do it again. He's going to be a good king. Again, again, again. Yeah, I think things are going to
0: work out. For oh them. yeah, Maybe this better. kingdom
1: is this kingdom is all, all for the best. I think. So
0: Tintin shows up and uh, fills them in. Like T- Thompson's in the hospital, no one knows what's the matter. They have to get their hair cut every half hour. <laughs> I sent them uh, once to Professor Calculus. I sent, I sent it. Uh, Sample. Uh, yeah. I uh, sent it once to Professor Calculus to analyze, again, to analyze those uh, those filthy tablets, the ones Mueller. Mueller, says the king. Mueller? Mueller? No. Anyway. <laughs> uh, of course, Highness. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Mueller is the real name of Professor Smith. That reptile, where is he? Impale him instantly. This guy likes impaling as much as Vlad does. Yes. Uh, Mueller is in the hands of the police. Uh, give him my word he'll have a fair trial. Mmm. Oh, you Westerners complicate things. We m- men of the East are far more expeditious.
1: As much as Vlad Bueller.
0: <laughs> sure. Uh, anyway, the trial will attract plenty of attention, says uh, Tintin. I found these papers on him. They prove Mueller was a secret agent from a major foreign power. In the event of war, it was his job to use his men to seize the oil wells, which explains the veritable arsenal uh, we found uh, under his palace, and he was already uh, maneuvering to oust Arabex in favor of uh, These are the Those are the essentials. That's all you really need to know. Any yeah. more plot you need wrapped up, everybody? Yeah. Anyway. I think we got it. Yeah, we got it. Anyway, let's go to Some Days Later.
1: So Some Days Later... Haddock is very excited to get a letter from Calculus. Finally, a conversation that he can enjoy with Calculus. (laughs) Calculus says, My friends, I have immediately analyzed the tablets you sent. I have discovered that if you add only a minute part to petrol, its explosive qualities are increased to an alarming degree. By trial and error, I have concluded that one single tablet dissolved in a tank holding 5,000 gallons of petrol would be enough to cause a... Anyway, Captain, that solves the mystery of cars blowing up. <laughs> Is everyone
0: just rushing it through? At the hey, end?
1: what's the matter? What have you got there? And the captain says, "Thundering typhoons." There's a photograph of Marlin Spike looking rather the worse for wear. Yeah, including looks... a hole in the side of the in the front of the house. Yeah. we have yet to see the house drawn from any other angle but the front. <laughs> by the way, right. everybody. The, well, that's just one thing. That the
0: house only has one angle. I guess
1: so. Mm-hmm. It's actually just a front. It's a it's a it's a studio. Uh, it was built by a studio, and uh, that's that's why they're able to afford to buy it. Right. Uh, and so. Now what's that nine-pitted, nine-pin done to my beautiful house? But uh, let's read on. It's sure to explain. The research was exceedingly difficult. I enclose a photograph of Marlon Spike after my first experiments. His first? <laughs> Did he do some more? Anyway, they were successful. That's all that matters. As for the phenomena in the capillary systems of the Thompsons, these will soon cease with the aid of the powders I have prepared and sent to you separately. The other substance I have sent is for use with petrol and will entirely neutralize the effects of the compound Formula 14. So there you go. Some weeks later, we see Captain Haddock, uh, the King, and Hergé. Or sorry, not Hergé, Tintin. <laughs> okay. I, inextric- I linked them together so much. He They were inextric- inextric- inextricably linked together, and I do that myself. So we hear some of the trial at uh, the beginning of the Mueller trial that's going on. We discover what that it was a major foreign power that developed the new chemical, simply known as Formula 14. Then we cut to the Thompsons sitting in the hospital with their hair in a... Uh, well, it looks like they're touching one of those... Um, those uh, is it a, the, a, Van a generator? De generator. A Van, yeah, Vandergraph generator that has made their hair stick out all over the place. You know,
0: as two balding gentlemen, you really should just be thankful for all the extra hair you get.
1: The radio reporter points out that in the case of war, the the lack of oil reserves would have been uh, would have been uh, disastrous, and an effective antidote has been developed by the distinguished. Oh, sorry. So Tintin, the reporter, he's not listed as a reporter here, so we know how old this story is. Famous reporter Tintin, the secret of Formula 14 was discovered, and Professor Calculus has discovered an antidote. And uh, so, of course, in the news of Thompson and Thompson, who inadvertently swallowed some formula, they are out of danger and on their way to recovery. So it's all rather good. So now we learn. What about that? We had a narrow escape, eh? If it hadn't been for the Thompsons, we'd be at war. You know, Captain, you still haven't told us how you came to be mixed up in this (laughs) business. Oh, yes. Well, and then the Highness, of course, offers him a cigar out of a box. I thank you. Thank you, Highness. Well, pff pf, uh, it's like this, pf, pf. I think I told you, pf. it's quite simple, really, pf. and at some, at the same time, rather complicated, would you believe it, pf. I, pf. and then, of course, the cigar goes off with a pssht, another of Abdullah's little tricks, and he promised me he'd be good, ah, what an adorable little ways he has, adorable, adorable, I'll say he is, well, if you want to hear my story, it won't be from me, blistering barnacles, as far as I'm concerned, this is the end, and he walks, us, the stomps off, his face covered in soot, and we end with Abdullah painting End on the wall and sticking his tongue out right at us. What a brat. Yes.
0: A good old-timey brat. Yeah,
1: it's a lot of fun, though. Yeah, I
0: they don't make brats like that anymore. No,
1: it's a kind of an irresistible character, I think. It's so frustrating, but yeah. at the same time, so so fun that you just kind of, you enjoy You, It's like he's so awful that there's nothing they can do to him that like, the two spankings you get, you don't go, well, this is ridiculous. He's got two spankings from them. You shouldn't spank children. You're like, no, no. This is- <laughs> no, you got it. This kid it's like, yeah, this is the only only
0: sunlight kills a vampire. that You've got to do it with him. It's back in the day. Yeah, yeah, I'm anti-spanking, but I'm not anti-spanking this kid. This is fine. I'm all for it. Uh, yeah, you're trying to save his life. What, what? are you going to do? You're trying to save him. Otherwise, yeah. he's uh, left to his own devices. Uh, you got a dead kid. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, what are you doing? I did like that Tintin mentioned at the end, you know, if it wasn't for the Thompsons. Yeah, that's right. So listen, don't be impaling them like maybe you were thinking of doing it. That's It's one of these stories, again, like in the last one where you had the Incans yeah. who, you know clearly do kill people regularly. Yeah. And you're like, well, I guess we're friends now. Yeah. And this fella, who is known for impaling so much that that's the first thing his son goes to. Yeah. Is like, well, this king is a terrible person as well, but <laughs> yeah. we're all good friends here at mm-hmm. the end, and there you are. And Well, that's the thing. I mean, you're, you're dealing
1: with a despot, so you have to deal with a despot within those limitations of despotic behavior.
0: And we're all good friends now, and yeah. living on with
1: our lives. Well, I think, yeah. I think, well, we're all good acquaintances. Yeah. And now we will head back to our home, Marlin Spike, and, and we will leave you behind to the people's ears. Which only has one direction,
0: her. so please yeah. don't try to enter from the side or the back, <laughs> because there ain't one.
1: So, uh, what do you think of the story overall? I mean, we no, really talked about it as as an overall story.
0: It's interesting because it uh, it's um it's a very grounded story compared to the last one, which again mm-hmm. had. Uh, we came from, you know, mummies and magic and voodoo all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And so this one feels very grounded. Uh, yeah. Like uh, as It is were... sort
1: of a step back it's in not, a way.
0: It's But it's a reset. Like it makes sense because we do get a lot of real stuff. Like you're yeah. really on a boat. Yeah. You're really in a desert. We as A remarkable amount of vehicles, horses, it's all real things. Yeah. You feel like you are wherever you are. The passage of time in this is very, very good. Yeah. There's a lot of times where you're going through the desert and the sky is changing in just a perfect way and you don't really even notice it. But, yeah, you it moves time along at a good pace. I don't think the Thompsons are used badly in it. I thought that, that was good. I think there was too much of an exposition dump at the end, but that's just something that happens. Yeah. Where it's just too much of a, well, how was this? It up. All, yeah. Let's wrap it all up. And here's all the explanation. Let me just say it all. It's like, okay, it'd be nice if you could show it It's a it problem, rather than
1: just yeah. It's a problem it with the 62 page limit, though, is that he, you know, he's gone this far with a story. He's had this much fun with Abdullah. He's had this much fun with the chase sequence. Right. That he's really squished himself in at the and, end. And,
0: and I guess for me, too, it was a little weird. Like, it's, you know what doesn't really work for me is is the, the Thompsons taking the tablets, even though it makes for a good cover. Yeah. Uh, the Thompsons taking the – and turning into monsters, basically, like yeah. crazy cartoon monsters. Yeah. So this is stuff that when put in gas makes it explode. Yeah. But if a human takes it, they turn into this sure. crazy thing. Like it seems to me – and again, I'm not telling anybody how to do their job. But if you're – but you've got a kid, and the kid's whole bid is – I hide things in things that they're not. Yeah. So this is what I do. I do a switcheroo, and now a spider comes out of this case. I put this in this, so when you do this, it goes this. It feels like if you want to do the aspirin gag, you've got a character that can do the aspirin gag. He swaps them out, because yeah. that's what that kid does. He would like this kind of thing. It's, it looks like a kind of thing that would be a great practical joke. And yet by that point, and when we've got the Thompsons going through this, yeah. the kid is gone. Yeah. It's like, no, the kid would be part of that somehow, because the kid would maybe know, you know, how this worked. Because the kid slipped it to one of these guys earlier or something. It just seems like so put on at the end. Just like, by the way, this turns you into a giant bat. What? Yeah, in the last four pages. Yeah, it turns into a bat. Anyway, they're the bats now. They okay, and then anyway, everything's wrapped up at the end. So
1: that's a little weird for me. It is a bit. I don't know. I still enjoy it. I just it's it's fun. I, I just it's felt really
0: unearned uh, bizarreness. To me. Yeah,
1: well, it's it's uh, your objective magic. That's magic science in the sense that it's a pill that can do everything. It can make yeah. gasoline explode. It, can it turns you can, you into Mr. Hyde it turns as well into, as it turns blows into up a, things. Yeah, so it's a little bit of that too. A little bit of the science fiction in the sense of a sort of magical fiction. But uh, I don't know. I still think it's fun. You know, mm-hmm. it's a fun story. It's uh, I would definitely think of it as a step backwards from the from the sophistication of the last few. Uh, I mean, it does have the political element to it but it's not really explored in this book as much as it is in the other books as the other versions of this book so it's you know it's it's okay well I and it's it's fun it's a fun story and it's yeah. very well done i mean basically it's him on autopilot which is as good you know as good as him and uh as you know he's just so good at this point he could think he could think perfect panels and perfect compositions mm-hmm. and perfect um layouts you know to the most efficient way and the best way to get stuff done pretty much was second nature to him by this time and so I guess yeah.
0: I guess my objection sorry to go back to those last four pages again
1: is is
0: everything is was so crazy in the last issues two two books that I liked all the grounding in this one like okay yeah. now you got to have a realistic uh situation so that we can now get on to the fantastic stories next time. And so when you get the fantastic in the last couple of pages like no 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 you were just doing it. It doesn't don't go crazy. Now you've made you've settled down, which is what you want. Now we can launch the next the next story and you'll be fine. It feels like, you know, you every so often we we've compared Tintin to James Bond. You can't after a moon raker, you know, have him now go, you know, even into another dimension. It's just yeah. like, no, now we need to calm, we need to calm it down, bring it down, down to Earth story, and then the next thing. Again, just my opinion. What's yours?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm not going to say that they're not that they're not featured. I meant ever actually a game. the listener, but you can tell
0: me yours too. I was gonna say, <laughs> I'm just going to say I'm
1: going to say they're never featured again, but. Um, this is definitely their swan song. This is definitely their kind of high point as terms of of the foils for Tintin. Well, in the they story.
0: literally Tintin literally in this says, "I don't have I don't have time for these guys. Yeah, that's enough of that. Yeah, no, we're not bringing those comedy relief characters in. No, we're done. Okay, look, I gotta just take care of this business on my own. Yeah, and it'll it's, continue like that. Batman saying, "Listen, you see Batmite, you do not tell him where I've gone. <laughs> I don't need that. Uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna go and, and and take care of this. Yeah, okay, yeah." So, uh, but what do you guys all think? I'm saying this to you now, the listener. Uh, we'd like to hear your opinion on the story. Uh, if you think I'm correct, if you think David's correct, if you think neither of us is correct, SneakyDragon.com is our website. If we you have think our neither before.
1: of us is correct, then you're wrong.
0: No, no, there's there's, uh, there's okay. multiple other ways it could go. If you think Dave's wrong about what he's saying I'm right there. i trying to there. be challenging. If you think was Dave was wrong in not recording the first episode that we did. If you think that
1: was wrong, you can let us know, too. Well, I recorded it. It just sounded like we were talking in another room. <laughs>
0: okay. We Oh, yeah, we've done that before. Yeah. Okay, all right. They, we were right to re-record then That's fair. Uh, but anyway, that's uh, where our message boards are. We're also at Totally1010 on Facebook. Uh, if you want to reach us on Twitter, uh, Sneaky underscore Dragon. And if you want to reach us by email, SneakyD at SneakyDragon.com. Uh, we very much like hearing from you, hearing your opinions, hearing your technical uh, things that you throw in and go like, hey, you know that plane. Was this and that and the other, and uh, you know, or historical uh, connections that we have not made, Uh, all Mm -hmm. that stuff fantastic. And if you want to see extra things, sometimes Dave puts extra things up on our website as well. So I try, yeah, and I just link to other Tintin pages on our Facebook page because I'm lazier than David. (laughs) But those things are interesting too sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, there you are. Uh, So, anything else you want to say before we uh, get going, Dave? Goodbye. Sure, that would be a thing to say. Okay. That's very polite. All right. Uh, So we will uh, talk to you all. uh, Well, we'll be back next week. I don't know when you're listening to this. You can listen to them in a row. So who knows? But we're going to be back in a week's time with Destination Moon. Looking forward to it. I am looking forward to it as well. It's uh, spent a lot of time on my shelf. My wife read it, and the ending angered her. We'll tell you why next week. All right. Thanks for listening to Totally Tintin. I've been Ian Boothby. I've been David Edrick. And to coin a phrase Dave made, goodbye.